Hello and welcome back to Weird Comics History, episode 20, where we bring you weird history from the yesteryear of comics publishing. You can hear us every other week on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast feed, and you can pick that up on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and anywhere entropy has not touched. Mm. And there's a segue into the what we're talking about today. This is a big, big subject, Chris. It's the uh... yes, we are talking about the 1994 DC Comics event, Zero Hour. Yeah, this is sort of tied into last week's Cosmic Treadmill yes. too. Uh, we did Flash Number Zero by Wade and uh, Weiringo. Ringo. Ringo is fine too. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's and that, that's that's we're going to talk about that here a little bit, but. Um, this is. I just want. I want everyone to know that this spun out into something Chris tackled. Uh, he was like, "Oh man, this zero hour is a bit. We should make this its own episode, and it's probably going to be a real long episode, folks. So, strap in and learn all about the event that set everything perfect in the DC universe forever. Finally, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, when we were when we were putting together uh, Flash Zero, I thought zero hour the, the just the information about zero hour was going to be like a small part of that. Uh-huh. But then it got to the point where. Where, uh, we couldn't find Flash Zero in there because yeah. it was <laughs> this just took over. So yeah, that's uh this is a uh, this is our first inter-brand crossover, I guess. <laughs> um, let's start off with the concept of Zero Hour. It's uh you know relaunching all the heroes from the same point in time. Uh, this would uh, make minor, subtle changes to the characters and their backstories to kind of massage inconsistencies uh, introduced by the crisis in place. Uh, Dan Jurgens is uh, probably the lead mastermind of this event. Uh, he suggested that any inconsistencies in a character's backstory is due to the theory that crisis never ended. Uh, all the confusion is due to the fact that Crisis on Infinite Earths was still happening. So, like, reverberations of Crisis were still being felt. Yeah, and, and uh, creating anomalies all around the multiverse, I suppose. Absolutely. Well, universe, and, actually, then. <laughs> whichever it was, because yeah. it, it, gets, it gets wobbly. Mm. Uh, now, this, uh, this was actually verbalized by a character in the book. This is Wave Rider. He says in Zero Hour Crisis in Time number three, he says, quote, years ago, there was a universal crisis, an event so destructive that it never totally settled, sending chronal shockwaves throughout time, causing disruptions we're only now becoming aware of. Yeah, and, and I think that the simplest way, the most reductive way to put it that might make sense to people is that where Crisis and Infinite Earths sought to collapse and unify the multiverse concept, mm -hmm. this was going to do the same for the t timeline that, you know, Anomalies, because there were story anomalies that we're going to get into, uh, yeah. partly by Crisis and Infinite Earths and partly through just whatever it was by that point, 60 years of storytelling. So <laughs> some of those problems that we got from Crisis and Infinite Earths were uh, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes were a big problem. Uh, in a post-Crisis DC, post DC universe, Superman never was Superboy. He developed his powers over time and only really got them when he was sort of a young adult. Uh, the Legion of Superheroes, their first appearance was Adventure Comics, number 247, April 1958. They're young heroes based on, I think, the 31st century, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> Who were inspired to the, cause by, to the cause by the exploits of Superboy. So without Superboy, how can you have a Legion of Superheroes? 
Well, it was revealed that the Legion was inspired by a Superboy who lived in a pocket universe. This was in Legion of Superheroes, Volume 3, Number 37, August 1987. And that was created by the Time Trapper. So that neatened everything up, right? Everybody was happy sure. with that solution. Uh, in much of Legion lore, though, Superboy is replaced by Mon-El, Valor. Uh, more on him a bit. He looms somewhat large in this story. He does, he does. Uh, another problem is, uh, what do you do about Hawkman? Uh, Hawkman. That, that's sort of a persistent problem, though, isn't it? I think, yes. Yeah. Uh, his first appearance was Flash Comics number 1, January 1940. He suffered from having several conflicting origin stories. Uh, he was originally in a reincarnation of an ancient Egyptian prince. Uh, Julie Schwartz re-envisioned him as a police officer from the planet Thanagar. That was in The Brave and the Bold, number 34, uh, cover date February, March 1961. Uh, this uh, this uh, Hawkman had a penchant for using ancient weapons. Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths was meant to simplify the character, but writers had trouble explaining his appearance in different stories as different people. Uh, DC Comics decided to reboot Hawkman with Hawk World, which was a three-issue prestige format series mm -hmm. that uh, was dated August through October 1989 uh, by Tim Truman. Uh, it was originally planned to be that three-issue prestige format series, but it was popular enough to actually spawn an ongoing series that ran 32 issues plus annuals. Uh, this was kind of in the spirit, you know, after Crisis, we had we had a few, you know, origin stories. We had John Byrne's Man of Steel. We had uh, George Perez's uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, we also had, uh, you know, we had the Frank Miller Batman Year One. Right. This is a you know this is a definitive account of Hawkman's status post Crisis on Infinite Earths was going to be this Hawk World. Uh, unfortunately, it had Kate. How are we saying this here? I, I say Qatar, but I don't. Qatar Hall, <laughs> Hall, uh, showing up for the first time in present day, which would render his Golden and Silver Age stories kind of unworkable. Uh, so they introduced a different Hawkman into the Justice Society of America. <laughs> Speaking of whom... Yeah, we're going to go... I, I do love that, though. Like, I just throw another one in there, you know? Throw another <laughs> Hawkman out there. Anyway. <laughs> so Crisis on Infinite Earths was meant to remove the JSA from DC continuity. It was a world-ending cataclysm killed off almost all JSA members. Only Power Girl, the Star-Spangled Kid, the Spectre, and Dr. Fate escaped the cataclysm. With Power Girl's origin drastically changed to remove her Kryptonian heritage, she was now a descendant of Arion and Atlantan. The JSA returned to returned during the Armageddon 2001 crossover that was uh, or event that was May December 1991, uh, when Wave Rider did a thing. We'll get into that <laughs> a little bit later on. Then there was an eight-issue origin miniseries that ran through 1991, which led to an ongoing that began in 1992, both series written by Len Straszewski and art by Mike Parabek. The ongoing was canceled after the third issue's release. The series went for ten issues. Straszewski says it was a capricious decision made personally by Mike Carlin because he didn't like Mike's artwork or my writing and believed that senior citizen superheroes was not what DC should be publishing. He made his opinion clear to me several times after the cancellation. This run began introducing legacy characters, though, to the JSA, like Jesse Quick. And this was, like, mm -hmm. this was really Infinity Inc., right? Kind of came out of this? No, no, this was uh, this was the early 90s. Infinity oh. Inc. was uh, pre-crisis. Oh, then never mind. I'm As usual, my <laughs> memory of time is horrible. It was a time anomaly. Yeah, exactly. I must be. The entropy <laughs> is leaking in. But anyway, so now the JSA and the JLA are on the same Earth, theoretically, which is kind of a, kind of a problem, I guess. 
Yes. Now, did, did, did the editor not realize that these were going to be older heroes when they greenlit it? I, you think so. It's like, what, what do you think? He picked up the first issue. He was like, what the hell is this? You know? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I thought we were just using the name. Uh, now, uh, we also have Wonder Woman. Poor, poor Wonder Woman. <laughs> Uh, created by William Moulton Marston with Elizabeth Holloway Marston and artist H.G. Peter. Uh, she first appeared in All-Star Comics number 1, uh, December 1941, initially sculpted from clay by Hippo uh, Hippolyta. It's why uh, I wrote Queen it that of the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and given life by the uh, goddess Athena. She won the right to return crashed U.S. soldier Steve Trevor to man's world in ritual combat. Uh, Marsden died in 1947, and Wonder Woman, who is now headlining in her own title, uh, writing duties were picked up by Robert Kaniger, who was also editing the title. This was beginning with issue number 22, cover date March, April 1947. He would revamp uh, Wonder Woman's origin, having her blessed as a baby by the pantheon of Greek gods, tying her more into Greek mythology. Uh, Kaniger also wrote stories of Wonder Woman's childhood and teenage years that contradicted not only Marsden or Marsden's origin as well as his own. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it also screwed with the character's continuity. This was, uh, you know, they, they would feature her as a girl, and uh, then our friend Bob Haney would uh, take that character and uh, make her a different character. This yeah. is <laughs> the teen Wonder Woman would spin off as Wonder Girl, Donna Troy, in, uh, in the Teen Titans. And, and you really almost can't blame Haney because even though, you know, he's depicting— Wonder Woman's birth as having taken place in mythological Greek and you know ancient Greece yes. or whatever but then he'd have a story with teenage Wonder Woman in the present day and it's like how what essentially then, in the f <laughs> 1950s they didn't care folks that's what it was and I think you mentioned this before they had that cover where they were like where Wonder Baby Wonder Girl and Wonder Woman were all jet skiing yeah, or they're surfing they're all surfing <laughs> they're all surfing on the same page it's like that can't be come on that's like ridiculous <laughs> I mean they, actually the covers were, were outlandish they would put they these, were weird they would yeah. put these characters together all the time but uh again it was it was a different time in comics folks it wasn't it as was. continuity minded now uh in the late 1960s with mike sakowski as editor and denny o'neill doing some writing diana was stripped of her powers and became an international karate master fashion model or something like that she wore a white pantsuit a lot she or was a, very mod very mod and in fact she was based after emma peel on the tv show the avengers now, this was actually an attempt to liberate Diana per the Equal Rights Amendment. There were a lot of the women's movement was big at the time. Uh, according to Denny O'Neill, she hung out with a sensei named Ai Ching. And uh, yeah, I think they might have gone the wrong direction <laughs> with this whole thing. It's funny, too, right, right at the time that this happened to her, like a year after, is when Ms. Magazine, the like magazine about feminism, Featured Wonder Woman yeah, on the cover, yeah, yeah. and it was, of course, the classic, you know, uh, bustier and hot pants and whatever. So, uh, yeah, they, they read that situation wrong, but that's all right. They, you give them an uh, E for effort. Sure. So after that flopped in 1970, she returned to her modern superhero character in Justice League of America, but her solo title took place during World War II. <laughs> now, this was mainly to be in accord with the really successful television show, and when the show was canceled, the stories in Wonder Woman... The solo title returned to the present day, which I'm sure didn't complicate things for anybody. No, not at all. So, but Crisis at Infinite Earths and George Perez's Wonder Woman reboot in 1987 were supposed to settle these conflicting matters of her origin and character story for all time. And quite frankly, they they did. Um, you just had to stick, you know, you had to stay with it. That's all, you know what I mean? People just wanted to write their own thing later on, and it made things compl complicated again. But George Perez came up with a fairly elegant solution that incorporated 
pretty much all aspects of mm-hmm. this this stories and sort of throughout all of the tiny tot and the teenage Diana stuff <laughs> uh, he doubled down on her Greek mythological heritage and also retained the part about her being made from clay but things did spin out later on so as they do yeah uh, now uh, we're gonna we're gonna start marching into the lead up to this uh, zero hour event uh, we're gonna start with the reign of the Superman. Uh, following the death of Superman and funeral for a friend, the super titles went on a four-month hiatus, if you can imagine that. Wow, yeah. Just uh, four months, no Superman books. Which only made it seem more real that he wasn't That it back. wasn't yeah. going to come back, mm. yeah. Uh, publication resumed with Adventures of Superman number 500, cover date June uh, 1993. This uh, is the issue that introduced us our four new Supermen, uh, one of which uh, he uh, almost looked exactly like Superman, except half his body was cybernetic. Mm. Um, he was quickly revealed to be a pretty bad dude. Uh, during uh, Green Lantern Volume 3, Number 46, October 1993, Death City, the cyborg Superman teams up with Mongol, and then Coast City, which is home or the hometown of Hal Jordan, is destroyed. Yeah. It's turned into an engine city, and it goes boom. Yeah, that's all part of a, a larger plot, I think, to move Earth out of its orbit or turn it into another war world. Or, I don't remember the I think, exact Yeah, I think it had something to do with war world. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's Coast City, which essentially, if it helps anybody, is, is DC Comics Los Angeles. L.A., yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, as is true in DC Comics, they also have a Los Angeles, so who knows. <laughs> now, uh, also involved was Emerald Twilight. This was a story where following the destruction of Coast City, Hal Jordan becomes abusive of his Green Lantern powers. The Guardians, he wants to remake Coast City and sort of uh, turn back time. Power, yeah. yeah. Uh, Guardians try to slap him down, and it does not work out in their favor <laughs> at all. Hal kills, or... Deactivates the Green Lantern Corps, but he actually does kill Kilowog and Sinestro uh, pretty brutally. Yeah. Um, he enters the power battery around Oa, absorbs its power, and leaves with a new supervillain outfit. This is where they find out that Parallax, the entity of fear, has been inside the Owen Lantern all along, and that's what has ca- ca- made them uh, vulnerable to the color yellow. Yes. Using the last bit of Guardian energy, Ganted crafts one final Green Lantern ring, which he gives to a random Nine Inch Nails fan behind a CD bar. <laughs> <laughs> For a deeper analysis of this storyline, check out the Cosmic Treadmill segment during Weird Science DC Comics podcast episode 82. That was July 31, 2016. Doesn't feel like it was that long ago. It doesn't. It really doesn't. But <laughs> it was. It was. It was early on in our uh, in our casting, run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Armageddon two thousand and one. We warned you uh, we talk got... about this. Yeah. <laughs> we got Monarch and Wave Rider. <laughs> Oh boy, uh, Monarch <laughs> was the and, and Armageddon 2001 could almost get its own uh, own episode eventually. It, it could. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff to talk about, but we'll, we're yes. gonna, we're we're gonna, gonna do the give best you the can here, yeah. Yes. Uh, now, Monarch was the big bad of Armageddon 2001. He was believed to be from the future. However, in the present, he would have been one of the superheroes. Uh, most, or maybe even all, of the DC annuals in 1991 featured—they were all under the Armageddon 2001 banner. Mm-hmm. And the story was Wave Rider. This character would touch the heroes, and it would give a projection of their future. So he would, we would, uh, he would touch a hero, and then we would read a story about their future. Like you'd see Superman becoming president in in one of them, or you'd have uh, like Lois Lane dying, and then Superman marrying Maxima in another one. It was all these potential futures. Uh, he was doing so to discover which one would eventually become Monarch, because in theory, he would touch Monarch and he'd see him as Monarch. Um, 
it's pretty much telegraphed all throughout this thing that Monarch would be Captain Adam, who Wave Rider never got around to touching. Well, the news came out, <laughs> and, you know, uh, somehow it got out because it was pre-internet as we know it. And uh, so DC decided to change course editorially. Editorially, <laughs> the Monarch moniker was shifted from Captain Adam to a top-tier superhero. Oh, yeah. Hawk from Hawk and Dove. What? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And this I do remember and being like, what? Why? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> and it's hilarious to consider that this story was changed, keeping in mind how nowadays Marvel and DC are so quick to spoil their own stories oh, online. Yeah. I know. Or, yeah. in, or in whatever print they'll have them. I mean, they're just, oh, yeah, it's uh, Johnny Storm's going to die. What? Yeah, we were waiting six months for that. Yeah. And the solicits uh, pretty much give away everything anyway, you know? Pretty much, right? Yeah. Uh, now, this caused an ongoing Hawk and Dove series to be abruptly canceled. Uh, Captain Adam's series that launched in 1987 was ending anyway in the summer of 1991. Uh, this also contradicts a vision of Hawk battling Monarch from one of Wave Rider's Tapa Hero deals. Yeah, so uh, that they had to walk back that uh, whole story and ruined the character of Hawk for all time, really. It never has quite been the same. Um, something important in the uh, Zero Hour event is the Linear Men. This is a team of, for lack of a better term, time cops. They were created by Dan Jurgens, and they first appeared in the Adventures of Superman number 476. That was cover dated March 1991. Their name is taken from the post-crisis premise of being strictly, time is strictly linear. Rip Hunter, Time Master's involved. There's also a man named Matthew Ryder. More on him later. They operate out of the Vanishing Point, which is this, like, hovering house. I don't know. Yeah. Factory. It's, uh, like, it's sort of in and just in space with nothing else around it. It's considered to be the uh, forever point during the final nanosecond of time. That is to say, the last possible moment before entropy sets in. So they're always at the last the end of time, essentially, is where they are. Yeah. Uh, and that concept gets, you know, Graham Morrison loves it very much. <laughs> um, and also, we've got to talk about a character named Damage. He was introduced in Damage Number 1, April 1994, a similar to Quality Comics' Human Bomb, because he's the son of the Human Bomb, maybe. <laughs> was banned from Atlanta for nearly destroying it, and the new Teen Titans, who are working with Checkmate the Government, bring him in. And he'll be very important to this tale in just a bit. He will. He will. Now, uh, the thing about this was uh, I, I can't claim to have been, you know, in a comic shop during, or I don't think there were very many comic shops when Crisis on Infinite Earths was coming out. So yeah. there really wasn't much scuttlebutt. I, I've done a little bit of a Usenet searching to uh, to see what people thought about it back then. And, and there's some interesting theories. But Zero Hour actually was in the comic shop. I wasn't really a big DC guy, but it was always fun to hear, you know, these these worrying stories about what was going to happen in the zero hour. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fans were actually nervous about what was what was going to happen to their favorite or least favorite or most favorite heroes and teams. And so DC did what any fan friendly organization would do in the situation. <laughs> they screwed with them. Hey, <laughs> in many DC comics with the cover date of September, 1994, there was a, there was a page that's a DC universe. It was right. a section kind of like, you know, Stan soapbox or the bullpen bulletins over at Marvel. Mm -hmm. uh, in it, there were a list of things to expect from zero hour. And with hindsight, we know that some of these actually did come to pass. However, even the ones that didn't, aren't so ridiculous to be taken out of the realm of possibility. They include Barbara Gordon becomes Batgirl again. 
from the solicits, we know that Babs is featured prominently in the promo artwork and on the covers of the Batman or of of, of Batman, right. the, the main Batman. Um, now, plucking a pre-injury barber out of the time stream would be an easy way to sidestep the events of the Killing Joke without taking it out of continuity. Sure. So you have the best of both worlds there. Yeah, and perfectly accomplishable in comic books. So yeah, that Absolutely. was that was believable. Uh, another. Uh, Teaser was that Spectre is the villain behind the event. He uh, looms large in, in a lot of these cataclysmic events, so it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, he seems to always show up when mm-hmm. bad mojo's going down. Damage's parents were revealed to be the Human Bomb and Phantom Lady, or maybe Libby Lawrence and Dan the Dynamite, or maybe <laughs> Hawk and Dove. Uh, some interesting possibilities there. This was a storyline playing out da- in Damage's own title, as we've already mentioned. Yeah, we have uh, the JSA, the JLI, and the Legion. This is the spelled out Legion, L-E-G-I-O-N. We're going we're gonna to play with that a little bit later on, too. Uh, all three of these teams fall. More on that later. Mm. Uh, FaZe returns to the 30th century with or without her memory. I don't know who FaZe is. No, but uh, I'd be I'm okay. guessing she's a Legion character. I guess, yeah. I've, I've, no, I've, <laughs> never, I've never read the spelled out Legion, you know. Uh, yes. So I, I'm not sure, but that's fine with me. This next another, thing, though, I, I would have been very excited about. <laughs> yes, another uh, another rumor is Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew return. Now, today, that wouldn't raise any eyebrows because we're used to that kind of wackiness. Yeah. But we're going back to 1994 in the days of Wizard Magazine deciding what's cool. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> this would be a pretty outlandish thing to occur back then. It's also a time when the funny books, they weren't so funny. You notice that? A lot no. of them, they, they were really taking themselves a little seriously. So, but Just a bit. But I would I would have loved it, but, uh, you know. We'll... I'm kind of gl- In hindsight, I'm kind of glad there was no Zoo Crew book in 1994 because yeah. God only knows what it would be. I know. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to hear about, uh, you know. <laughs> He'd be rabid. Fastback yeah. Freddy, you know, slicing someone <laughs> limb, you know. Top to bottom, <laughs> whatever. But uh, so there was a you know, the death watch here is for Hawkwoman, Adam, Wave Rider, Valor. More on all that later on. Another rumor was that the Ray was going to join the new Titans. Be a big news. Wow. Whoa, couldn't you believe it? Well, the Ray did have his own book at the time, right? Or uh, he did. Or he, so he, he either he did or one launched out of this. I one don't came remember. out of this, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he didn't—anyway, I don't want to give away yeah. too much up front. <laughs> uh, another one was that Dick Grayson becomes Robin again, and we'll go more on this later on, but there are a few ways this could be taken. It could be the an issue of the individual series. Yeah, the series. issue of the Robin series yeah. where, he's team, where Tim Drake is teaming up with a previous Robin. Right. And there's also a theory for about what was going to happen in the pages of Team Titans, but we'll get to that later, too. Okay. Uh, another one, Guy Gardner, Warrior, gets a new costume. We'll get to that later also. Uh, yeah, there's more to, more to say about Guy Gardner. Uh, main villains in this were going to be Glorith, who I've never heard of that person. I think before. that's a fourth worlder. Okay. Uh, Anti-Monitor, Time Trapper, and Monarch. Hmm. Which yeah. of these people could be in this anyway? Another one we had is Gunfire Blows Up the World. Gunfire is a character from the Bloodlines annuals. Basically, he can change any any object into a ballistic weapon, so a firing weapon out of anything. Yeah. Interesting they mentioned blowing up the world. Yeah. Maybe we'll get to that in a little while. <laughs> uh, Battle of the Superboys. Well, would you look at that Superboy number eight cover? Yeah, it's uh, mm. yeah. It seems like Superboy is back battling the Metropolis Kid or something like this, right? Yeah. Um, another rumor was return of the Insect Queen, who would have been Lana Lang, right? Yep. yep. Uh, 
Then uh, Turtle Boy Unlimited. This also would have gotten me excited, knowing me. Um, <laughs> which, you know, talking about Jimmy Olsen as Turtle Boy from his yep. old solo comic. Uh, they're getting a little dumb towards the bottom, but there's a big one coming up. Hang in there. And it uh, should be mentioned that Jimmy Olsen was, uh, he was on a kid's TV show at this point where he played Turtle Boy. Oh, in the comics. Oh, yeah. Okay. In the comics, yeah. All right. So, yeah, that, would, that they actually would have even made more sense there, but he... I would have. I'm really hoping it would have been him as the yes, giant turtle as a boy. Giant. He was uh, one of the one of the greatest covers and issues you can read of uh, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> um, also, they said that Anima, the Ray, and Superboy were going to form a new teen team. Hmm. Oh. Now, uh, this is the, this is probably my favorite rumor here. Is that it was Hal Jordan's clone that caused the Emerald Twilight mess. Uh, they continue to say that the real hell has been bumming around Europe since issue 150, which, if you don't get it, mm. is a reference to the Spider-Man clone saga going on at Marvel around this time, which you could hear us talk about for a couple hours on episode 24 of the Cosmic Treadmill from January 15th of this year. Sure. Uh, Al Jordan being mentioned, however, is interesting. Out of the you know the recent big character-centric events, we uh -huh. have Death of Superman, Nightfall. Emerald Twilight is the only one not to return to a modicum of the status quo where, you know, we have the real Superman back. We have the real Batman back, but we don't have quote unquote, the real green lantern right. back yet. So could zero hour be Hal's redemption? A lot of us thought so as a kid when we were kids. Yeah. I mean, it definitely looks like it too, that that would be the big, you know, the big three mm -hmm. that had changed. So, uh, yeah, but we'll see what happens to that fella coming up. I don't know if he'll show up at all. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, <laughs> So another one was that the Justice League would be united, reunited with a long-lost member. More on that in a bit. And by the way, make sure to check out our weird comics history on Marvel's Century character. It's episode 18 from January 8th, 2017. Why do you say that? Oh, no reason. Just a little <laughs> suggestion if you want to uh, maybe some <laughs> clarification. Uh, and the Legion of Superheroes and the Legionnaires are together again for the final time. And more on that later. Yes. Now, other popular comic shop rumors included the return of Jason Todd. Uh, we mentioned earlier there was an issue of Robin where Tim Drake was teaming with an older Robin. And uh, a lot of people thought that that Robin was Jason Todd because he had that terrible split loaf haircut. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to get there, though. <laughs> um, people thought that this would be a return to the multiverse, which would explain away time anomalies by redistributing events through multiple multiple Earths. Um, changing the fact that Superman maybe was Superboy and did inspire the Legion, which would take care of the Legion problem. And uh, if we look on our rumors here, Valor is listed as a possible death. So if he's killed or even removed from existence, yeah. well, we've got a Superboy in tow. But then, but then you nullify Burns' Man of Steel. I mean, it's either... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway. so you're, 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 you're making some people angry. Yeah. Uh, either, either way you do it. Um, now, Superman's secret ID back in the box... Away from Lois Lane, uh, so basically part of splitting up Lois and Clark, which, you know, a lot of people were were kind of keen on. Um, it's one of those things that people thought was a step too far, and you really couldn't. It was like a a fundamental change to the Superman character, which you know changed the work dynamic, changed the civilian dynamic, changed the relationship dynamic. It did, absolutely, yeah, but. Uh... You know, I not much to say. That, that's that's the conflict in comics all the time. You know, can you can you write married superheroes? And apparently, yes. the answer is yes, you can't. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's also the question uh, of Impulse becoming the new Flash, because Impulse, the young uh, Bart Allen, current Kid Flash, I think he's Kid Flash. I don't know where he is now, actually. Right now? I have no idea. He's somewhere. But uh, yeah, he was Impulse, he becomes Kid Flash. And a lot of folks thought that he was going to be the new Flash because, hey, it's a crisis event, mm. and Flashes die in those. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so there was a little bit of warm-up coming into uh, the Zero Hour event. First in Showcase uh, 94, number 8. Uh, showcase, just to tell you what these these are, we don't see them anymore. Although I think, they, did they have a Showcase in uh, early New 52? I don't think they did. They had a DC comic, DC Universe Presents, and then they tried doing a Secret Origins, but it was like a five or six dollar book. That's right, and it just it wasn't the same. But Showcase no. is uh, it's a, was a monthly anthology at this time featuring multiple stories, which may or may not be serial. This is part of a, a DC Comics long history of Showcase titles that quite literally just showcase new characters and creators to test the waters. That's where Barry Allen Flash and the, the Hal Jordan Green Lantern yep. come from. And even going on, I mean, that's where the Doom Patrol was rebooted. A lot of stuff mm -hmm. has happened in the pages of Showcase. So in this one, number eight and Showcase 94, it was titled Some Zero by Dan Jurgens and... Uh, Frank Fosco? Frank Fosco, all right. Features Fallout. Phil Fosco? I was, I was I going to say Bob, but I, I always say Bob. I have no idea. But uh, Jurgens and Fosco, that'll do. That'll work. It features Fallout from Armageddon 2001 and leads into the pending crisis. Uh, reflecting on Monarch, this we now know is Hank Hall's defeat. Now in Showcase 94, number 9, this was some Zero Part 2 by the same fellas, Monarch becomes extant. And it becomes clear that we're on the precipice of a new crisis. Mm. Now, the uh, week, the, the uh, month that Zero, Zero Hour was a weekly comic, so mm. it was five parts, ran over, ran, ran through a single month. All throughout that, we had books playing into it. So we're going to do week one. And, uh, you know, we're not going to go too deep into these. Uh, we're going to go a little bit deeper into the main Zero Hour series, but uh, all the tie-ins, we're just going to try to, you know, we're going to just put a finger in it. Yeah, and to uh, I'd tell you what was important about it, really, as much sure. as we can. Now, these are all cover dated September of 1994, so we're not going to say that 100 times. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> now, Batman, number 511, uh, title The Night Before Zero by Doug, Doug Mensch. Is that mm -hmm. what you say? I say Mensch, yeah. Mensch, okay, and Mike Manley. The cover features both Oracle and Batgirl. But how? Uh, Batgirl is revealed to be from an alternate timeline in which the killing joke ended with the death of Commissioner Gordon and not the crippling of Barbara Gordon. Batman confers with Oracle about a possible impending crisis and decides to go meet with Superman. And speaking of that guy, in Superman Man of Steel number 37, titled cool. Countdown to Zero. Love the cover on this. Love by, the cover on this. Oh, yeah, this, this is a classic. Uh, by Simonson and Bogdanov. Nove? Want to say that? I don't know. Uh, I say Bogdanov. Bogdanov? Sure, that uh, even sounds better. Um, <laughs> iconic cover featuring Superman surrounded by several different variations of Batman, all rendered incredibly well in the style of the original artists, and includes the Dark Knight Returns and animated series versions, as well as like an obvious Neil Adams version and a mm -hmm. Sprang version. It's pretty cool. Uh, Superman meets the Earth One, that the Neil Adams Batman, who informs him of time anomalies. Dark Knight baddies attack and Golden Age Batman shows up and the Adams Batman morphs into the mid-90s Kelly Jones version. Metron arrives to warn of a crisis in time and a rocket ship lands in Smallville. Out pops Jor-El and Lara Lorvan who mistake Jonathan Kent for their son Cal. 
it's a funny scene. They they think that old Jonathan Kent is is their kid. Wow, they just grew up. He's older now. <laughs> he's he's aged. Uh, we got Flash number ninety four. Just do it by Wade and Pacheco. Uh, Wally recalls receiving a visit from a stranger during his youth that promised him that his dreams would come of becoming the Flash would come true. Uh, it's revealed that Bart Allen was raised in virtual reality, and the Flash fights Abracadabra, and is then teleported into the sixty fourth century. In the future, uh, Legionnaires number 18, titled Changing Times by Wade, Tom McCraw, and Chris Gardner. The Legionnaires join the fight at the behest of a hologram of Superman and Metron. The Time Trapper gets involved, and this is the final issue of the Legionnaires to feature the five years later continuity, which had been going on for a year or more at this time, I think, as, as I know. It's been going on a little while, yeah. The uh, We also got Valor, number 23. Infinite Valor by Kirk Busick and Colleen Doran. Uh, another final issue. This is the final issue of Valor. Uh, Valor is affected by visions of various temporal anomaly timelines. He is visited by the Time Trapper, who tells Valor which Legion stories happened and which didn't. The Superboy from the Pocket Universe also returns during this issue. And speaking of Superboy, number eight, <laughs> Big Trouble in Smallville by Carl Kiesel and uh, Grubbit. Tom. Tom Grubbit. <laughs> Pocket Universe, pre-Christ Superboy shows up in Smallville thinking he's returning from an adventure with the Legion of Superheroes. Pocket Superboy is surprised by all the changes to his hometown. The Kents are alive. Lana Lang and Pete Ross are married. And we get a little bit of Superboy on Superboy action. Then Pocket Superboy leaves peacefully. Probably put away in someone's pocket. I think maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now, this all goes into Zero Hour Crisis in Time number four. These count down. So we go four, three, two, one, zero. Mm. Uh, this is Dan Jurgens and Jerry Ordway. Uh, we start off with the Time Trapper being... Blown full of holes by a man we now know as Extant. Uh, Metron gets wind that there is a crisis in the making, and his first stop is Apocalypse to tell Darkseid. Darkseid ain't buying what he's selling. Yeah, <laughs> After I love all, that. He's just like, what? Get out of here. Because yeah. <laughs> if there was a crisis, not, not only would Darkseid know about it, he'd probably be the cause of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's, he, he ain't buying it. Uh, we uh, pop in on, on Gotham City where Batman and Robin meet that Batgirl who has just captured the Joker. This Batgirl has no recollection of the events of uh, the killing joke. Now, at the vanishing point, the linear men, including one named Matthew Ryder... I want you to remember that name, Ryder. They're watching the chronoscopes, which are like televisions that look at time. Uh, they are surprised to find that there is nothing left to monitor. It's as though time has vanished. Rip Hunter and Rave Ryder track Wally West to the 64th century and convince him to try running real fast to close the entropic rift. It doesn't work out that well. You have to sort of see it to understand it, but essentially it doesn't work. Um, we revisit Man of Steel number 37 with Metron informing Superman and Batman of the crisis, so a little crossover there. And Rip and Wave Rider head to 5700 AD where they meet a younger version of Hal Jordan fighting off the Entropy Wave to no avail. But it does show that Hal Jordan can be plucked out of anywhere. That's right. So, so this mm. this this adds more fuel to the Hal Jordan's coming back fire. Yeah. Exactly. Now, in a Gotham City alley, Hawkman tracks Vandal Savage. Before Savage's eyes, Hawkman splits into better than half dozen Hawk men. Mm. Uh, Superman drafts Kyle Rayner to help him film a warning video, which Metron could distribute to the heavy hitters of the DCU. We saw earlier that uh, the holograms of Superman warning people 
we're going out. Uh, this is where that happens. This, sh this shows the uh, where it was filmed and recorded. It basically turns yes. into a little v VCR studio, VHS studio. Exactly. Now, uh, Metron then approaches the Spectre, who has absolutely zero interest in Zero Hour. Yeah, he's such a, he's such a prick. Anyway. Isn't he? <laughs> uh, Wave Rider returns to the vanishing point and pulls all information regarding the crisis event from the Chronospheres, which I am assuming is just a recording of an upcoming episode of Weird Comics History where we break down crisis at Vinner Earths. Uh, I think so. That'll be a big one, too, folks. I got news for you. <laughs> this is kind of the training wheels version of that. Yeah. <laughs> back in Gotham, the JSA catch up with Hawkman, now back in one body. Vandal Savage vanishes, and it is explained that the entropy erased the era in which Savage was born, making it as though he never existed at all, though everybody still remembers him, which is kind of weird. I don't yeah, I don't know so how that much. works, but okay. Uh, <laughs> now, Jay Garrick learns that Wally West has died because uh, Wave Rider is holding the empty costume. Uh -huh. And we talked about that last week. Uh, and we wrap up with Extant's arrival at Vanishing Point. Yeah, when you see an empty Flash costume, that Flash is uh, no more, is, is the rules. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, week two, uh, same same deal. We got a bunch of tie-in comics leading up to the main event, uh, Zero Hour number three. But first, we'll talk about Batman Shadow of the Bat number 31, The Battling Butler by Alan Grant and Mike Brett. Blevins. Brett Blevins. I'm horrible at, the, at these names here. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I left the first name. You, so handle, you handle the artists. I can do a lot of the writers. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> This is uh, this is note that Alfred Pennyworth had left the Wayne Manor employment during uh, Night Night Quest, which was the broken back uh, story, the tail end of that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Batman and Robin return home to find their butler hard at work. The portly Golden Age Alfred Beagle, the first mm -hmm. uh, butler, yeah, it was really strange. And then Beagle vanishes at the end of the story. Yes, we have a Green Lantern number 55, Assault and Battery by Ron Maws and Daryl Banks. Kyle meets Alan Scott and is given the quick and dirty on the history of the Green Lanterns. And Superman and Metron appear because they got to film a video. Yeah, but this 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 is cool, a little synergy between them. It, yeah. It's, uh, we'll, I'll have a little more commentary later, but uh, I, it worked okay here for me, in, to my mind. Uh, Hawkman number 13, Into the Dark Aether by William Messner Lobes and Steve, Steve Lieber. There you go. Uh, Hawkman's confronted by Wave Rider along with the Golden Age Hawkman and Hawkgirl. The three Hawk folk team up to battle a Hawk entity. The four characters have somehow all merged into a single entity, and the issue ends with Hawkwoman discovering a recreated Qatar Hall. Hmm. Yeah. That's not going to help things. Yeah, we got a lot of Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, uh, we got Justice League America number 92. This is called The Program by Christopher Priest and I think Luke Ross. Um, here we meet Triumph, which is sort of DC's version of Marvel's Sentry over a half decade before. Mm. Uh, Triumph is introduced as the original leader of the Justice League of America, who, after appearing to save the world, vanished both from time and the memories of his teammates. He returns from the time stream, and he he's kind of he's kind of a jerk. Yeah, well, you know, he's been forgotten a long time. I guess he has a reason. Yeah. Then there's Superman 93, that was titled Home, all by Dan Jurgens. Uh, we pick up on a thread where the L family arrives in Smallville. They're from a timeline where Krypton was never destroyed, and they're hoping to take their son back. He refuses, but tells them he loves them, and a chronal anomaly causes them to disappear. Mm-hmm. Now, the main event, mm -hmm. Zero Hour, Crisis in Time, number three, by Dan Jurgens and Jerry Ordway. The JSA tries to digest what they had just seen and learned. They decide to head to Vanishing Point. 
The group zip zaps out. However, Wave Rider and the Hawks, man and woman, wind up at a very different destination. Superman catches up with Impulse, who's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's also a lot older than, than he would be. Um, probably another time anomaly. Uh, the Time Trapper unmasks in front of Cosmic Boy, revealing himself to be Cosmic Boy. Bum, bum, bum. Mm. Uh, now, the heroes that Superman has summoned together, uh, they all gather in New York City. We got a very pregnant power girl. We got Elron is using the body of Despero. Guy Gardner is some really ugly red armor and, like, a little bit of face paint. Aquaman's without his left hand, and this is before he got his harpoon hook hand, hook hand so he's just got, like, a stump, and it's got, like, yep. a gauze on it. It's, really, it's <laughs> kind of funny, to be honest with you. It is. Uh, anomalous heroes include Triumph, the, the new guy, Batgirl, and Alpha Centurion. Yeah, we'll meet him in a little bit. Uh, now, the JSA folk arrive at Vanishing Point, only to find that it's been taken over by Extant. He makes relatively short work of the old guard. Uh, Wave Rider and the Hawks arrive. Uh, Wave Rider and the Hawks arrive outside of time. Hawkman becomes something like a composite Hawkman, comprised of every version of the character up to that point, including the girls, women, and Hawk entities. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 a cool little effect. It's like it's like you know a history of Hawkman in one long panel, and yeah. it's actually been done. I wonder if this is the first time because now it's been done a million times. But it seems like it, right? But this could be the first instance of like recognizing a long history of tortured different versions of a character. But. It could be. Um, elsewhere, Vril Dox confirms that wacky stuff be happening with the timeline, and so he launches a probe. That's what they gotta do. That's when you're a linear sure. man. Uh, back in New York, the heroes have a meet and greet, including the first meeting between Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, who is at that point the only Green Lantern. Uh, Wave Rider tells them all about the crisis on Infinite Earths, and Guy gets in his head that maybe he can take advantage of this flexible time stream to make it so the Coast City event never occurred. Wave Rider feels a summon to Vanishing Point, and so he leaves the heroes without warning. At Vanishing Point, Extant reveals the rejuvenation spells from the J reverses the rejuvenation spells from the JSA, making them all to appear to be their actual age, except for Alan Scott, who is protected mm -hmm. for some reason. And then Wave Rider and Extant do battle. Extant unmasked to reveal himself to be Wave Rider. Yeah, they're doing that a lot, huh? Yeah, it seems to be a common thing here, but all right. <laughs> Week three starts off with Adventures of Superman number 516. Uh, the Hero of Metropolis by Carl Kiesel and I think Peter Krause. That sounds right. Um, yeah, Superman returns to Metropolis, but it's not the one he's known. He kisses Lois Lane, who in you know continuity is his girlfriend at this point, and gets a slap across the, place for, a slap across the face for his trouble. In this metropolis, the superhero protector is the Alpha Centurion, who's also boinking Lois. Sure. Um, they, te they team up to fight and ultimately uh, go off to together to face the zero-hour threat. Now over in Detective Comics number 678, titled Yesterday is Gone by Chuck Dixon and Will Nolan? Graham. Graham Nolan, there you go. <laughs> uh Batman arrives home at Wayne Manor affected by a time disturbance. In this world, Bruce Wayne was killed on that faithful night, and not Thomas and Martha. Batman hunts down Joe Chill, thinking he's the culprit, only to find him a strung-out junkie. Joe Chill is innocent. Hmm. Justice League Task Force number 16, Losers, by Christopher Priest and Greg LaRock. Triumph pleads his case to the leaguers, but they ain't buying it. Arion arrives and says something that triggers a connection in fire, that's, you know, Beatrice DaCosta, mm -hmm. making her think that Triumph, he may not be completely off his nut. Maybe he is 
the founder of the Justice League. Possibly, yeah. He, he ended up, you know, he he knew her, uh, you know, her nickname in uh, elementary school. Anyway, uh, <laughs> over in Legion, L-E-G-I-O-N, 94, number 70, down to zero by Pyre, Payer, Jorgensen, and Alcoin. This is the final issue, and by the way, Legion stands for Licensed Extra-Governmental Interstellar Operatives Network. Both right off the tongue. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. That's why they had to come up with Legion. Uh, Viral Docs launches a time probe to investigate why time is unraveling. Yes. Uh, Outsiders, number 11, Final Blood Part 2 by uh, Mike W. Barr and Paul Pelletier. The Outsiders, led by the Eradicator, fight va- they fight vampires, and then they disband. Sure. <laughs> I had to get rid of them somehow. Team Titans, T-E-A-M Titans, number 24, mm-hmm. uh, titled All Good Things by Jensen. Jeff. Ma- What's that? <laughs> Jeff <laughs> Jensen. Jeff Jensen. Uh, Phil Jimenez. Phil Jimenez and... Tully. Tully, that's fine. Uh, that's a misleading title. This series wasn't a good thing. Burn. This is the final <laughs> issue. Time is unraveling. It's revealed that the Team Titans are being led by Hank Hall, Hawk Nay Monarch, as you know, as we know. As an interesting aside, uh, had this series continued post-Zero Hour, it is rumored that the original 1950s Teen Titans were to be thrust into the future all-new X-Men style. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So that would have been <laughs> strange, but all right. Yeah, because, you know, people thought that uh, that uh, Dick Grayson was going to be Robin again, and that's... This is a, way, the, a good way to do it, yeah. Get him when he's way young. To do it. Yep. Uh, now, this was a shorter week, so we have Zero Hour Crisis in Time number two. Again, Jurgens and Ordway. Uh, I, 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 just, I just want to cut it to say that yeah. it's Jurgens wrote and penciled and Ordway inked. Yeah. And uh, we'll probably talk more about it, but this is a good looking comic. I want I want to know. It is. It is very pretty. And Dan Jurgens was, he he must not have slept. No, not this month. I don't think so. He, he might have had to learn to draw with both hands. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of stuff here, and it all looks great. Um, now, Wave Rider and Extant Rider fight for a bit. <laughs> it's revealed that the real Extant is watching these events occur from elsewhere. <laughs> uh, so we have Extant watching Extant and Wave Rider fight, but one, the other Extant looks like Wave Rider. Yeah. So uh, we got peanut butter and our chocolate. <laughs> I don't know. I, this is like a, we're crossing from the Berenstein to the Berenstain universe exactly, or something. That there. kind of thing, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, I, my, I haven't gotten my wife to read too many comics, but she has read some comics over the years. And whatever these kind of time anomalies things, they, they, <laughs> they always, they, she hasn't read this one. I, I, this one would be a bridge too far, but she's read that. It, this comes up in comics a lot. And I'm just like, you can't look too closely at it. You know, if you, yeah. if you do... It's never going to work. You have yeah. to just accept a lot of it at face value. Now, after uh, after the, he watches the fight, the real extant or the prime extant or uh-huh. the one who's not fighting Wave Rider, the one who's watching the fight, yep. after he watches the fight, he activates his sleeper agents. Okay. Uh, back in New York, a second future New York appears and, uh, above the actual and begins to settle on top of the real one. Metron opens up a boom tube, and Captain Adam uses his gravity-ish powers to draw it into the portal. The JSAers arrive and are rushed to the hospital. Alan Scott hands his Green Lantern ring over to Kyle Rayner, retiring the mantle. Jay Garrick tears the lightning bolt off his shirt, also retiring. Starmite, Starmite, Starman, Ted Knight says he's done, but doesn't make any grand gesture yet, and he will. Uh, the heroes split into three teams to take care of the rift at both ends. The far-flung future, the distant past, while leaving a crew in the present to deal with any surprises. Also here, I think it was um, 
uh, I know Sandman had a heart attack but lived, right? Yeah. And then was it uh, Doctor Midnight Mid dies? Midnight dies. Uh, who am I thinking of? The the fighty guy. Help me out here. Oh, Wildcat. Wildcat has a heart attack, but he lives also, right? He survives. Yeah. But basically, these guys are taken out of superhero activity. Uh, yeah, because yeah. they're like eighty and ninety years old at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like legit. Um, now uh, we have our three teams here. We're gonna start off with the future heroes here. These are led by uh, Superman and Wonder Woman. They arrive in the thirtieth century, and suddenly find themselves under attack by the Team Titans. Whoa. Who wind up that they are revealed to be extants slash monarch slash hawk slash Hank Hall's sleeper agents. <laughs> I'm in trouble here, folks. I don't... <laughs> <clears throat> now, back in the present, we're at the hospital and we learn that Dr. Midnight has died. Jay Garrick goes stomping off to find the one person who might be able to help them, the Spectre. In the city, Power Girl begins going into labor. Now, in the distant past, a team of younger heroes, including Nightwing, Donna Troy, Superboy, Impulse, and Kyle, but all wet, led by Wave Rider, also find themselves under attack by the Team Titans. Not only are the Teamsters here, Extant is too. Well, some version of Extant is, I don't know if the one that was watching, but anyway. Uh, and so we get Extant versus Wave Rider round two, in which Extant kills Wave Rider with ease. He unmasked to reveal himself to be Hank Hall. Who slowly morphs his face into a wave ridery visage? So this is where it happened, mm -hmm. uh, I think. You know, <laughs> as best we can tell. Uh, just then, entropy overtakes the past, and before passing, Wave Rider sends the heroes back to the present. Alan Scott's lantern ring remained in the past. As Exton celebrates, a mysterious figure in the foreground picks up the ring. Hmm. In the future, at Metron's suggestion, Superman throws the Mobius chair into the rift. Captain Adam does his quantum what's-its, and thus, the future is saved. Mm -hmm. The Time Trapper sends the gang back to the present. In the present, the heroes, which are mostly Batfolk and Warrior, or Guy Gardner, among others, they're also fighting the Team Titans. It's here that Gardner displays his ability to produce weapons from his body from the first time, which is pretty disgusting. I mean, it's, 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 it's like he basically, a, a gun oozes out of his forearm. It's yeah, he's really like, weird. I, I thought I wanted a gun, and there it is. I grew it. Oh. Yikes. Yeah, that's nasty. Uh, now, suddenly, the Team Titans all vanish, just like Vandal Savage did earlier. It's as though they never existed. Their timeline is no more. Unfortunately, not all of them are gone, because Terra and Mirage are the exception, because they were outside of time when everything corrected itself. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> uh, at Vanishing Point, Extant arrives to meet Extant, the one which absorbed Wave Rider merges with the Prime version that was watching. Yes. They the So the guy that was watching the Wave Rider version fight Wave Rider <laughs> twice... Anyway, you know, you, you can't, you can't, I'm telling you, you can't look at it too closely. Uh, suddenly a silhouette bathed in green energy arrives in the 30th century. He sees the rift has been closed, and what do you know, he doesn't like the way that went. He decides to reopen it, making much of what happened to this issue pretty much meaningless, but, you know, it looked cool. Yeah. Of particular interest, this is the same dude who picked up Alan Scott's ring. He drops it here and stomps on it. What's, what's his problem? Yeah. Why's he got to uh, be like that? Sheesh. Oh, he's got a problem with lanterns or something. Uh, now, uh, week four. 
Action Comics number 703. Chronocide by David Michelini and Jackson Butch Geis. Uh, Superman fights a Starro who beat the Justice League in their first appearance and went on to take over the world. He returns home to a past Smallville where the Kents never found the birthing matrix, and instead he was left for dead by a scientist. Wow. Leary Lee of the Linear Man, Linear Men, redrafts Superman into the Zero Hour battle. Uh, we get a really cool scene at the end of the entropy wave engulfing Metropolis as Lois Lane dictates what she believes will be her final thoughts into a tape recorder. Then over in Anima, number seven, suddenly Johnny gets a feeling titled by... Elizabeth Hand. Elizabeth and, Hand and, and... Brent Anderson? You, your guess is as good as mine, my friend. Uh, <laughs> no real tie-in here. Ends with some faded pages showing that it's related. Could be viewed as one of the Red Sky crossover issues, and that's a reference to the titles that tied into Crisis on Infinite Earth simply because the sky was red and showed that it was occurring at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Catwoman number 14, Broken Mirrors by Joe Duffy and... What's his name? Ballant. Jim. Jim Ballant. All right. Uh, Catwoman wakes up next to a saber-toothed tiger. She finds Gotham City's been overrun by dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, it's Thursday. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> uh, it, she teams up with Ash the Caveman and Tulik the Sabertooth Tiger. Ash's reflection, I think they see it in like a water or a, or, a, or a store window. It shows that he's actually a modern man, but she sees him as a uh, caveman. Time folds, the world ends. Selena and Ash kiss before fading into the nothingness. Okay, and then Damage Number Six, the uh, title "The Burning of Atlanta" by what's his name? God, and I, I know this person. Joiner, Tom. Tom Joiner. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I forget. Uh, anyway, Joiner and Maramon. Uh, the new Titans arrive in Atlanta after Damage almost blew it off the map. The Titans are more concerned to the Feds are, are more connected to the Feds around now, being led by Arsenal. Time anomalies hit, and the young all-stars start popping up throughout time. This is Iron Monroe and Steelhawk, and that world fades away also. Yeah, the uh, young all-stars were the—they uh, were like the replacements for the Golden Age Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. So, oh, yeah. like, Iron Monroe is Superman, basically. All right. But, uh, but not. <laughs> yeah, like a stand-in. Sort of like how Power Girl became a stand-in for Supergirl Yeah. at some point, but then that got screwed up also. Yeah, because that was one of those uh, one of those right before Crisis Roy Thomas books was the Young All Stars, mm. and he had a lot of fun with the Golden Age, what's it's and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, I mean he, he's the keeper of that stuff as far as he I'm is. concerned. Yeah. And we have uh, Dark Stars number 24, A Time for Every Purpose by Friedman and Collins. The Dark Stars are contacted by Superman. Donna Troy joins him on the front lines as the rest of the Dark Stars fade into nothingness. Over in Green Arrow number 90, titled He Who Hesitates by Dooley and Barreto. Green Kevin Arrow. and Eduardo. All right. Uh, <laughs> Green Arrow is split into two timelines and pursues a crook in both. In the second timeline, Arrow is killed, so when the timelines converge, Ollie sees his own corpse. Batman <laughs> arrives to draft the Archer onto the front lines, which will be very important, actually. It will. Uh, Guy Gardner, Warrior, number 24, Killing Time by Bo Smith and a bunch of pencilers. Uh, Extant takes Guy, Steel, Supergirl, and Batgirl on a tour through time. They visit the Wild West. They team up with some of the uh, Wild West heroes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Guy learns that his old girlfriend and the sloppy seconds for Hal Jordan, Carrie Limbo, perished in the destruction of Coast City. Guy and company try to stop the Coast City event and thus change uh, Hal's change into Parallax, though are obviously unsuccessful. 
guy is yoinked back through time, and, and the rest of them, they're yoinked through time as entropy sets in. I like this, though, because it gives Hal another reason to want to stop Coast City from being destroyed, which is sure. more... I mean, Guy, you know, he's an altruistic hero, and I think he would want to stop that from happening and stop Hal, mm -hmm. but this is just another thing where it's like, oh, now I got it, now, I, you know... Yeah, it's, it's a sign. I gotta, I gotta change time. But uh, anyway, we'll see what happens. Justice League International number sixty-eight. This was titled uh, "Triumph" by Christopher Priest and not what's his name. Help me. We just said it a minute ago. Phil. Phil Jimenez. There we go. Final issue. Triumph and the League fight with the Plasma Man. The battle ends peacefully as Triumph realizes he can communicate with the baddies and simply ask them to leave. Sure. <laughs> uh, now, uh, Legion of Superheroes, number 61. Borrowed Time by Mark Wade, Tom McCraw, and Stuart Eminent. The Time Trapper is revealed to be a grown-up cosmic boy. We knew that. <laughs> now, uh, this is the final appearance of the original Legion of Superheroes until the countdown to Final Crisis in 2007 to 2008. Wow. Um, in Robin number 10, this is titled Two Birds, One Stone by Chuck Dixon and Tom, Tom Grummet. Thank you. Tim Drake meets a young Dick Grayson as Robin while busting some crooks. The two team up to catch a thief, all while Tim avoids tipping Dick off to what's to come like that Jason... Todd dying and stuff, you know, and other tragedies that happen in Dick Grayson's life. He doesn't bring that up. Yeah, he leaves all that stuff out, which is wise, I yeah. suppose. Uh, zero Hour, Crisis in Time, number one. Uh, Jurgen's Ordway again. We pick up with Guy, Steel, Supergirl, and Batgirl returning from the events of Warrior's own book. Along the way, Steel gets eaten by the entropy. Fissures just start popping up everywhere. Elsewhere, Extant is surprised because he didn't make these fissures happen. A green-themed individual knocks him on his ass. The fissures are his doing, whoever he is. In the future, the Legion vanishes. Also, the Time Trapper gets blasted again, just like we opened in uh, issue four. But this time, the blast is green. Uh, in the present, time-displaced heroes Impulse and Booster Gold vanish. Their respective eras gone. Now, at that moment, Jay Garrick is running down Gotham streets, and he's pleased to discover the JSA headquarters still stands. Inside, he has a chat with the Spectre, who by now decides it might just be a good time to get involved. Jay's eaten by the entropy during the meeting. Uh, the heroes decide that their salvation may lay at the vanishing point, and so, by the grace of the mother box, they head there. Maybe they're going to get that Matthew Ryder guy. Yep, that's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> At the hospital, we meet for the first time Ted Knight's sons, Jack and David. David is given the mantle of Starman, and Jack is relieved he didn't get the burden. But you just wait, buddy. In the city, the heroes try to corral the civilians toward the subway. Extent arrives, and a fissure, a fissure opens right on top of Batman, killing him. Which we've never seen Batman again. That yeah, well, that but to be honest, that scene and also Steel dying. These, yeah. these things, when I read it, you know, which was after the fact, but I remember being like, whoa, like this isn't supposed to happen. But anyway, yeah, this kind of tips us off <laughs> that everything we see might not be uh, what we see. Uh, now the new Wave Rider, which is of course Matthew Rider, uh -huh. and company arrive. The Atom tries to climb into Extant's ear. You know how he, he does that. Mm. <laughs> but his, but Extant's own chronal makeup causes Ray to not only not be able to enter, but reverts him to that of a teenager. Eh, okay. Sure. Uh, Superman tries to get the jump on Extant, however, is cold cocked by a solid green-themed right hand. Mm, something very green going on here. I know. The heroes stand by are shocked, and with pretty good reason. 
the big bad is ultimately revealed to be Hal Jordan, former Green Lantern, current Parallax. Hal set zero hour into motion and everything fades to white. And, then, and this is a, I love this, uh, the ending here. It's yeah. just him walking away and there's a whole page of just nothing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, in your mind you think, wow, that's kind of cheap, but it really, it yeah. does work well. And like, this is such a densely plotted and penciled book that, you know, a couple of blank pages makes a real big impact when you get to it. Cause it's not sure. like, you know, you've been, you've been reading, really pouring over these lush, uh, you know, thickly inked pages, and suddenly now you're looking at white paper. Uh, you know, it's funny to think about, though. I don't know if this is even matters to say, but they really couldn't have done this shtick even like 10 or 15 years earlier because they would have been using pulp paper. Yeah, right? right. This really only works because it's on that what would have been Baxter paper at the time, right? Or uh, would have been upgrade of some kind, you know? Acid it would have been higher, yeah. Yeah, acid free white paper or something. So it's uh, funny. But anyway, we will. We all come to the end. The end of today, Zero Hour Crisis in Time Number Zero, still by Dan Jurgens and Ordway. Issue, issue opens in the endless white of entropy. Hal Jordan's in a monologue mode discussing his trajectory from errand boy to God. And this is a real cool scene. It is chatty, mm-hmm. but it's, it's cool to see him not acting like a slavering murderer for a minute. Yes. He plans to restart the universe and perhaps a multiverse. Batgirl and Alpha Centurion are down with that plan, but Guy Gardner isn't. Poor Triumph is confused. <laughs> you, 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 you impudent scamp. Anyway, uh, Hal discusses the flexibility of time and cites the crisis on infinite Earths, which, oddly enough, Hal famously wasn't even a part of. It was John Stewart was the Green Lantern in that story, so how he knows about it, we're not sure. He's like, when we faced the anti-monitor, it's like, dude, you weren't there. I remember you, were you, uh, there were a lot of people there, though. Maybe he was kind of hanging in the back. (laughs) (laughs) He was, he was was throwing a fit around that time. Uh, That's right. (laughs) Now, at Vanishing Point, Wave Rider has assembled his forces, which include Superman, Hawkman, Captain Adam, Green Arrow, Adam, Darkstar, The Ray, Kyle Rayner, and... Damage, who doesn't know why he's there, and for now, we don't either. No. Uh, Now, back with Hal, the politician, he makes some huge promises to sell his idea. (laughs) Everyone will have their own ideal world. In his words, everybody wins. (laughs) At this point, the heroes attack, which confuses Hal. He really thinks as though he's acting in everyone's best interest, which is the best part of this. Yeah. Uh, he thinks he everything he's doing is he thinks he's being altruistic. It's great. Yeah, he's, not, um, he's not looking to destroy every. Well, he is looking to destroy everything, but to recreate it better, and that's in in everybody's best interest. This it's is, great. This is not an anti-monitor type thing where he just no. wants to eat everything because he's a you know monster. Yes. Uh, now uh, Hal is able to hold back the hordes until the Spectre appears. I don't like the Spectre. Uh, <laughs> you don't like the so... literal Deus Ex Machina, like literally. Exactly right. <laughs> And, and, you know, Hal's going to get to know the Spectre really well in the next few years, but uh, we'll, we'll save that for another time. Uh, the Spectre appears, and he binds our villains, which are Hal and Extant, in chains. Hal turns his, his attention toward the Spectre. Uh, he makes a projection of himself in, in nice big green, and he uh, neglects the rest of the heroes. Now, while this is going down, and there's a little... Uh, little... Rest time. Al- Ollie and Babs, uh, Oliver Queen and Barbara Gordon, that is, bond, and he feels a bit inorganic. Uh, Ollie shares his history with Hal and mentions how absolute power, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it, it, this doesn't didn't read to me 
as being you know uh organic like you say or like natural but yeah just like oh we need these two characters to bond put I mean, them in a couple panels together they 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 needed to give they needed really more for oliver to have a hook to have well we'll find out why yeah. uh wave rider has a plan to usurp hal's own if parallax is going to restart the world well hey why don't they do it first and you know do it the right way quote unquote he instructs all the energy type heroes to blast him with all their power from there he will funnel it into damage who will go boom and thereby, thereby becoming the new big bang what could go wrong uh how's right. not a moron so he kind of figures out this is going on especially since he's seeing wave rider getting blasted with all this power and mm -hmm. so he sets out to kill damage he fires a blast however and barbara gordon jumps in the way sacrificing herself for the hero's cause this is oliver queen is quite shaken by this but but it doesn't really read well but you know they do yeah. the best it is in one issue you know they didn't they didn't have the luxury of having the um oliver batgirl team up no title this wasn't a brave and the bold <laughs> yeah. series, yeah. uh ollie he's kind of pissed kind of pissed at this he draws an arrow and takes aim at his former best friend hal hal aims a fist at ollie in response and this is a pretty great series of panels they just kind of stare at one another and they say the other's name it's really cool especially when you know their hard traveling heroes history and you know how oh, yeah this close is they are some of my favorite parts of this is just how ollie mm. <laughs> it's like oh that's awesome almost hear them just being like that yeah now uh kyle jumps hal from behind uh, capturing him in a full nelson at which time ollie lets fly an arrow right into hal's heart Spectre, who really hasn't earned his pay today, <laughs> he gives the thumbs up. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Damage goes boom. New Big Bang. The travels, uh, the heroes travel through the various eras of time as though they're passengers on a guided tour. All we know is that time is repairing itself. Uh, Wave Rider snatches Hal and Kyle right at the moment of his quote-unquote death, you know, the arrow in the heart, and he merges that with the Hal who set the zero-hour thing in motion, thereby making it never having occurred. Uh, in the present, which I originally had quotes around in the notes, but then I realized that, yeah, I guess this is the present. <laughs> Wave Rider gives the Earthbound heroes the skinny on what went down. As far as they know, Hal, Kyle, and Wally are all legitimately dead. Power Girl has given birth, so it's not a total loss. Yeah. Ollie breaks away from the group, and I think I think his middle name might be Drama here, Oliver Drama Queen. <laughs> he uh, he goes and he smashes his bow against a nearby pillar. I, I guess I can understand him being a, a bit shaken, but it's like he wanted everyone to see him do it. Is all I can figure. Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> let me tell you, you you don't you don't cultivate a Van Dyke uh, goatee like that without <laughs> being a little sensitive. I got news for yes. you. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the event closes out with the introduction of a new time trapper watching over perhaps entropic space? Sure. We're not quite sure what happens there, and not everything that happened at the end that, that Chris just mentioned becomes uh, hyper-relevant later, but um, it, it's a pretty good series, you know? You know it, we try to do the best justice we can here. It's really a tough one to detail because it keeps hopping in and out of time. Uh but I recommend it. It really is well done, yeah. uh, really well drawn, and like again, despite our fumbling, I think it's pretty tightly plotted. It is, it is, and it's just, it's almost the exact opposite of what you'd expect from a mid '90s comic in that the characterization is uh, is deep. Yeah, you know, and, uh, this is a time where and you could see people's feet. 
this is also true. <laughs> this, this is a time where across the street at Marvel, they thought Magneto was too deep. Yeah. So they changed him from being a character with depth and things you can sympathize and empathize with to just a raving lunatic. Yep. Because they wanted him to be a villain. Here we have a guy who's going to restart the entire universe. And it's questionable whether or not he's actually a bad guy. Yeah. I mean, he's just as bad as Wave Rider, who did the same thing. And and, <laughs> and not and not for, you know, not to give away, you know, the rest of the episode that we're about to do, but it doesn't work out perfectly for Wave Rider either. You know what I exactly. mean? Like his his version of the the present is not perfect. So uh, yeah, I, I really like that. You know what I mean? It, I feel like it's true to Parallax and Hal Jordan. Yes. Uh, you know, Jurgens here really did it, uh, as best he could to satisfy as many people as he could while still having to do what he had to do. So, uh, you know, and, and it was a pretty good effort. And, you know, uh, a, you know, a lot of the Wave Rider fights himself, Cosmic Boy fighting himself, and, you know, like, oh, now you're the future me. I mean, it, a lot of the same <laughs> shtick gets rerun over and over again, but it still works, you know what I mean? It's all right for a comic book story. Sure, sure. And, and I, 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 when I reviewed this over at the blog, I, I thought maybe this was supposed to be a four-issue series, and then they realized they wanted to do a zero, which is the way I kind of excused uh, that whole issue of them closing a rift and then Hal snapping his fingers and opening it up again. Yeah. It seemed like they were just trying to buy themselves an extra week. I, it's, I, it's possible. It's possible, I guess. Uh, but uh, it just seemed very strange that we spent an entire issue closing a rift that was reopened in one panel. It, it is weird, although I guess it just shows that, like, oh, someone someone is entering the playing field that has god-level powers has now. has huge you know? powers, uh, yeah. And I, and, I, and I would find it, you know, considering that, like we, we mentioned, uh, Dan Jurgens had to write and draw <laughs> these five, plus he did he did. Did Superman right, too. That Superman, yeah. as we just went through, so he had to do you know six comics six month. I I don't think he would have wanted to add one in there. You know, <laughs> I don't think he was like I can do six. And they were you know they, they were probably in the office. They were like you can't do six in a month, Dan. He was like, well, you just watch me. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, we had we had a real good time reading this and yeah. going back into it, and it was better than I'd remembered. But of course, as always, that's not the end of the story. There was you know stuff that came out of this that we're gonna need to get into and we are going to do that Chris Mm -hmm. right after this break here's where the universe began and where it will end everything wrong with the universe soon will be right the way it has to be don't you understand there's no one left to stand in my way and nothing you can do except talk a zero hour Represents their fearless leader. Ha! Cosmic the farther he rises, the farther he falls. And uh, Zero Hour is basically the superhero version of uh, putting everything in its place. My enemy's friend is still my enemy. For the last 10 or 12 years, we've had glitches in time, anomalies in time, bleeding over into the DC universe. As this happens, time gets more and more chaotic, the universe becomes more and more afraid, and the space-time continuum starts to fall apart. Time is in desperate need of, uh, of being cleaned up, and only the DC heroes can, can make that difference. I will reorder the universe, and you will not stop me. One of the things about uh, Zero Hour and Zero Month is that it's uh, it's sort of a generational saga in a way. Uh, we introduce a, a brand new set of characters to the DC universe, uh, characters like uh, 
impulse and uh, damage and anima. Right after Zero Hour ends, we start publishing a month of number zero issues, which we're calling Zero Month. And that is a place for you to see and experience, along with the heroes, their beginnings, their current status quo, any changes that are happening. Hey, everybody, welcome back. We have returned from our break when you got to hear Parallax himself speak. <laughs> Interesting. The, his voice wasn't as scary as I imagined it, to be no. honest with you, but uh, it rarely is like that when you meet celebrities that you uh, look up to. That's true. Um, so after Zero, you know, you you, know, you might think, oh, well, Zero Hour's done. I guess the DC Universe is over. Nope. Uh, it actually kept going on. They kept publishing comics, and there was a new status quo as set out uh, by Zero Hour, and the way they... Explain that was that in the month of October, uh, every book was a zero issue. Um, this was also intended that new readers or lapsed readers could walk in at this point. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to go through all those zero issues and talk about the new things that developed with the characters uh, in question. Starting with Batman number zero, titled Creature of the Night by Doug Mench and Mike Manley. Bruce discovers the Batcave under the estate when he was four. At age eight, Thomas and Martha Wayne are gunned down by an unidentified mugger. Joe Chill is wiped away, so it was a random killing again. Mm -hmm. um, young Bruce finagles it so he would be the ward of Alfred Pennyworth, and Leslie Tompkins acts as Bruce's therapist throughout his adolescence. Yes. Uh, Deathstroke the Hunted, number zero. This is the Hunted prologue by Marv Wolfman and Sergio Carello. This is uh, continued by, from uh, Deathstroke the Terminator, number 40. Mm -hmm. uh, they changed the title. Uh, Deathstroke is on the run. He's being charged with the murder of Senator Williams and the attempted assassination of current President Bill Clinton. After capture, he is broken out by allies, Wintergreen and Vigilante. The series would continue in Deathstroke the Hunted, number 41. Yeah, that's something also maybe I should have mentioned is that, you know, there's these zero issues for comics that were already, you know, running. Uh, it didn't set them back to one after this. Yeah. It was a zero issue, and then they went back to their original numbering, which I is a little maybe nicer to those who had been reading it all along, so that was nice yeah. of them to do. Yeah, the only reason I bring mention to it uh, here is because it actually changed the title. This time it did change the name. But, yeah. like, for example, the one we're going to talk about, uh, Flash number zero, the next issue, I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't like one. It was 94 or something like there that. There you yeah. go. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, this was just sort of a little. A little lull in the publishing program to allow people to find out what had changed. And uh, speaking of Flash number zero, which we did uh, talk about last week, flashing back by Wade and Ringo, Wally travels back to the past to meet and give advice to his younger self. And that was episode number 27 of the Cosmic Treadmill, and you can hear all about it. That was last Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, Legion of Superheroes number zero Time and Chance by Mark Wade, Tom McCraw And Stuart Eminem This introduces a new Legion and Consisting of Cosmic Boy With uh, his new identity of Rock Crin Garth Rands and Imra Ardeen Saturn Girl uh, They work for the science police solving crimes With science and those committed using science. Yeah, that's very science-oriented. And like, listen to you talk, you're already knowing Saturn Girl's name. You claim not to be a big Legion of Superheroes <laughs> fan. Goodness, it's in your DNA. It, it is now. Uh, <laughs> then we got Primal Force number zero, titled The Call by Stephen T. Siegel and Ken Hooper. This introduced a magic-themed team of superheroes, not unlike the Justice League Dark, uh, mm -hmm. including Dr. Mist, Claw, Golem, and this would have been the... 
like crazy 50s claw. Anyway, uh, Golem, Jack O'Lantern, Meridian, and Red Tornado. And then later on, Black Condor, Willpower, and Noir. Yeah, uh, didn't, spec- didn't last that long. So yeah. no, no, it did not. I, I, I think I, I think I have that whole run somewhere too. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Spectre number zero: The Temptation of the Spectre by John Ostranda and Tom Mandrake. Spectre enters the body of a newborn. The baby is the reincarnation of his old foe, Lady Beltrain. Uh, Bel- is it Beltrain or Beltran? Oh, I'd right? say Beltrain, but who knows? Let's do Beltrain. Uh, Beltrain offers to end. She offers to end all evil by forcing all people to only make good choices. Spectre refuses, be- uh, believing that there cannot be good without evil. The baby dies when Spectre evacuates its body. Oh, okay. Happy ending. Yeah. Uh, Super <laughs> Superboy number zero, titled Sidearm One Superboy Zero by Carl Kiesel and Tom Grummet. This is a retelling of the still relatively new clone Superboy origin in the form of Dr. Emil Hamilton running a diagnostic check. It's, uh, some fighting, framed by some good good old fighting happening in here. And Hamilton gives Khan the gift of X-ray specs. Yeah, I don't know if that was just a gag or, or what. Yeah, well, he, he, to give him X-ray vision, wasn't that the idea? Like, I that was so. what he was missing. Yeah, it was very cute. Now we have a Superman Man of Steel, and I gotta admit, the Superman four, the four Superman issues, I kind of wrote from memory, so there might be stuff bleeding into one and okay. not in the other. Uh, it's basically the story of Kenny Braverman, aka Conduit, but we will, uh, we'll get there. Uh, this is Peer Pressure Part One: A Whole New World by Luis Simonson and John Bogdanov. Uh, There's an origin retelling to start. Uh, Clark finds some pictures from his childhood, which have, been, which have his face burned out. Uh, there are also some odd accidents occurring around him. Uh, we also see an armored figure watching Clark. Uh, at, towards the end, Superman saves an orphanage from a fire and makes a connection between the vandalized photos. He recalls a schoolmate named Kenny Braverman. Then hmm. in Wonder Woman number zero, titled The Contest Part Two, The Blind Eyes of Time by William Mesner Lobes and Mike Diodato. This is pretty much just the next issue of Wonder Woman. It just so happened to come out during zero month, and so it Got a number zero. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's not a whole lot about no. me doing it. It's a part two. But yeah, exactly. It's it's like it's like the only one. But it's still. It's, I love the fact it's still numbered zero. But I mean, but like yep. as we said before, Wonder Woman had be had been rebooted not not too long before this. What was it eighty nope. nine? I want to say. It, yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't. It was after uh, Superman. So. Yeah. So it. Uh. You know. I think that they felt like we don't need to mess with this too much. And if <laughs> and if you didn't notice, Wonder Woman doesn't exactly figure prominently into Zero Hour anyway. No, she does have a nice scene where she yells at a uh, she yells at Aquaman to get to a doctor because he's got a bleeding stump instead of a hand. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like time is ending. Where is there a doctor? <laughs> Don't worry about that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, week two, Batman: Shadow of the Bat, number zero, the beginning of tomorrow by Alan Grant and Brett Blevins. Uh, Batman is now a scary urban legend. Uh, we have a gang of novice criminals. They surrender to uh, Commissioner Gordon because they fear the Batman. Who is, uh, you know, he's not anywhere nearby. Yeah. Uh, Batman is in the issue, incidentally, on the trail of some hitmen known as the Stone Brothers. This this issue is similar to that old one, uh, the story where Bruce Wayne takes the kids camping and they all have their own vision of Batman, you know what I mean? Except this is sort of the criminals have their own... Their own... Horrible, yeah. evil, you know what I mean, uh, destructive vision, uh, you know. Anyway, it's it's pretty good. It's a pretty good book. Yeah. Uh, Demon number zero. This is uh, titled Zero Hour by Garth Ennis and John McRae. This is a first issue, right? This is where it started. I or? think. I, 
No, 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 because Demon was running, because Demon was part of Bloodlines. That oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. I'm wrong. That's right. Uh, so it's just, that's right. They just slipped it in. Anyway, uh, Merlin's elixir takes effect, and the horrific truth about Jason Blood's past comes flooding back. From 560 AD to World War I, Blood learns that for the majority of history, his relationship with Etrigan has been mutually beneficial. Mm. Uh, so he's not a victim, as he uh, long thought. Any yeah. previous origins should be considered false memories manipulated by the demon. Easy right. enough, right? Yeah, really. <laughs> no problem. We got a <laughs> Green Lantern number zero. Second Chances by Ron Moss and Daryl Banks. Pretty much as close as we're going to get to a zero-hour crisis in time part six. Yeah. Right? Uh, we got or Kyle part Par- negative one. Part negative one, yes. <laughs> Excuse me, yes. <laughs> now we got Kyle and Parallax fighting on the deserted Oa. When Hal sees Kilowog's skull, he realizes just how far gone he is. Kyle offers Hal his ring back, but then seeing, you know, that he's kind of still crazy, he mm. gets it back and blows Owen to smithereens, so Hal can no longer draw power draw power from it. Uh, now, he officially, since, you know, Hal's gone, we have Alan is gone, so Kyle is the one and only Green yeah. Lantern. And it'll it'll always be that. Way. It'll always be that. Will never they will never return the other ones or add a whole bunch of more. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now we go over to Hawkman number zero, Eyes of the Hawk prologue, old scores by William Mesner Lobes and Steve Lieber. Hawkman tries to understand what has just occurred regarding the melding of all the various hawk folk into one giant Hawkman, basically a hawk <laughs> god. They're calling it very weird. Uh, he's attacked by a character named Bad Blood, who he kills. Yes. Uh, Justice League America number zero. Home again by Gerard Jones and Chuck Wojcikowicz. Wojcikowicz? Uh, I, I like that. Wojcikowicz. Uh, <laughs> Chuck W. Uh, now, after the Justice League's disbanding, Wonder Woman tries to get the band back together. Many respond to her call. Members Crimson Fox, Fire, Flash, Hawkman, Metamorpho, Blue Beetle, Nuclon, and Obsidian. The worst... Justice League ever. Probably, yeah. Um, uh, there, there were a few right now, though, you know, <laughs> vying for that spot. We'll, we'll talk true. about them in a minute. <laughs> no, except uh, and it gets even worse because this Blue Beetle is a robot. Yeah, uh, who knows? Uh, what the hell? <laughs> uh, new, Titan, new Titans number zero, The Changing Order by Marv Wolfman and Stephen Jones. Arsenal sets up the new team, which includes Changeling, Damage, Impulse, Mirage, and Terra. And they're still backed by the U.S. government, but now they're being organized under Sarge Steel. Not a great one, huh? Yeah. Starman number zero. <laughs> Sins of the Father, part one. Falling Star, Rising Sun by James Robinson and Tony Harris. The new Starman, the newly minted Starman David Knight, is killed in battle with the Mist. Jack Knight is forced to take the mantle whether he wants to or not. Whoa, after saying in the hospital how glad he was not to. Uh, mm-hmm. And this was the start of the series. This one I know. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. This is the start of that that 80 plus issue series oh, yeah. which is probably DC's high point for the uh, late 90s. I would I would say so too. It is uh, highly recommended, but anyway, that's uh, for yes. another day. Superman number 0 titled Peer Pressure Part 2 Awards by Dan Jurgens. Lois and Clark shack up in this one, and during moving day, Clark reminisces a bit more on that old schoolmate Kenny Braverman. That guy just can't stop thinking about him. This kid would have been the best at everything if he didn't share the school with a certain Kryptonian. Braverman, it would appear, is still pretty sore about that and has decided to become the supervillain Conduit. His target? Clark Kent. That's what you do when you're bullied in school or when you come up just short? 
Mm-hmm. You get yourself some armor and some uh, some whips, and you're good. Get you some superpowers, boy. You know, that's, that's what it. you got to do. <laughs> uh, brings us into week three, Adventures of Superman number zero. Title, With Powers Beyond Those of Mortal Men by Carl Kiesel and Barry Kitson. Kenny Braverman is conduit, and he still wants to kill his old schoolmate, Clark Kent. Uh, we flash back to a meeting between the two in France. Uh, Clark is a reporter, and Kenny is a CIA agent. Conduit tries to kill Clark, but is unsuccessful. Superman arrives, however, is shot by a kryptonite blast. Mm. Over in Batman Legends of the Dark Knight number zero, this is titled Viewpoint by Archie Goodwin and Vince Giarano. Uh, publisher Randall Spire attempts to uncover the legend of the Batman and fails. This issue has 13 one to two page panels called from numerous other Batman works. I was surprised that Legends of the Dark Knight actually got a zero. Yeah, because this is already like on the fringe. It, 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 and it's already, you know, stories of his past. Yeah. Uh, but I guess they're filling their back, they could backfill that in too, <laughs> as they did here. But yeah, it was interesting, an interesting story. Yeah. Uh, keeping with Batman, we got Detective Comics number zero. Choice of Weapons by Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan. Lots of flashing back. Batman thinks about his parents' murder, again, still. Uh, he remembers the night where he decided to become Batman. He remembers designing the Batmobile and a lot of his Bat gadgets, his utility belt and whatnot. Uh, these flashbacks are framed by scenes of Batman attempting to rescue some kidnapped children. In Fate Number Zero, titled Twisted Fate by John Francis Moore and Anthony Williams, art thief Jared Stevens replaces Nelson Kent as Dr. Fate, and Nelsa and Inza Kent die here, incidentally. Why not? Uh, gunfire, number zero. Forward thrust by Len Wein and Ed Bennis. Uh, gunfire dis- discovers some dark secrets about his father. His father uh, ran Van Horn Industries, which he used for his own nefarious means. Basically, he was looking for immortality. I don't know if I haven't read this issue, but I think it'd be funny if Gunfire at one point says, wasn't I supposed to blow up the world? I know, right? Right. I could have sworn I was supposed to. Ah, well. Damage got my push. (laughs) uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Justice League Task Force number zero, The Gathering by Mark Wade and Sal Veluto. Martian Manhunter assembles a team consisting of uh, Elron, who is Despero, basically, Triumph, Gypsy, and The Ray. This title would feature a rotating roster of heroes as well as several creative teams. Yeah, this was like Martian Manhunter's, uh, like, JLA Academy. Yep. It was like the young heroes he was training, and, and Triumph actually winds up sticking around. Oh, wow. That's our, that's our anomalous, uh, maybe, would-be founder of the League. Uh, yeah, our, uh, also around. kind of fake Superman in a way, but uh, yes. yeah, interesting. Yeah, and then he uh, he goes over to Marville and uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Legionnaires number zero, Close Encounters uh, by Mark Wade and Tom McCraw. The Legion of Superheroes are officially granted their sanction by the United Planets. And in Outsiders number zero, From the Ashes by Mike W. Barr and Paul Pelletier, the Outsiders reform and fight. Yes. How many? How many uh, comic book? Stories you think are titled From the Ashes Too many like, I had Too dozens, many. I bet, dozens if you went down But anyway And I, 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 I was thinking, like, if you uh, if you look up any comic story That's done in, in England yeah. How many of them are called London Calling? I know, yeah it's, uh, Every single one Certain titles are overused, <laughs> but alright Now, uh, we have Rebels 94 This is what Legion, the L-E-G-I-O-N Turned into, this is R-E-B-E-L-S mm-hmm. 94, number zero Less Than Zero by Tom Payer and Arnie Jorgensen. Uh, 
Vrildox and his Rebels, which stands for Revolutionary Elite Brigade to Eradicate Legion Supremacy. Which is to say, because Legion is, again, has the periods in it, so this their full title is the Revolutionary Elite Brigade to Eradicate Licensed Extra-Governmental Interstellar Operatives Network Supremacy. Wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yes, and uh, so they, uh, the Rebels, raid a Legion outpost for supplies. We meet Lyral Dox, who is the son of Rural Dox. He demands that the Legion archivist rewrite rewrite the history of the Legion to show that he, not his father, was instrumental in the formation of the group. The archivist refuses and sends the true history into space for safekeeping. That archivist is killed. Fair enough. Sure. Uh, Ray number zero, titled Missing by Christopher Priest and Howard Porter. The Golden Age Ray and the current Ray fight over a lie the former told the latter about the death of his mother. Yes, because it's a father and son fight here, and uh, and I think because uh, I, I skimmed this one, I'll admit, but uh, I think the mother is 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 ill, and uh, the Golden Age Ray lied and said that the younger Ray is like was like the pizza delivery boy when she asked who it was. Uh. So uh, yeah, he's keeping him out of the uh, out of the uh, social circle or whatever. Now, Steel Number Zero in the beginning by Louis Simonson and Chris Batista. We get a retelling of the origin, but we get two origins. We get the legend of John Henry, who John Henry Irons is named after, and John Henry Irons himself. Steel is then attacked on the street without his his armor. When he's shot at, the armor materializes around him. The question is raised as to whether or not John is human or metahuman. That's right. It's not a suit, or is it a suit, but it has, like, sentience. We don't know. Maybe yeah. it's from... Uh, he's able to call it or control it or... He picked it up in Secret Wars or something over at Marvel. We don't know. <laughs> and then, of course, the most popular book of, at the time, uh, Zeno Brood, number zero, titled <laughs> Strange Brew by Doug Mensch and Tom Coker. Cocker? Coker? I'm going to say Coker. Coker. Uh, this introduced a new superhero team with a bunch of folks with an extra metahuman chromosome, but uh, we don't know anything about it, and this title didn't hang enough around long enough to warrant more description. It was seven issues, and it's like never been mentioned again. So, I was going to say, you might be right about it being the most popular thing around, because I can't find it that Maybe it's like people are hoarding it. They're like, oh, i got to have my copy of Xenobrood, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, DC is definitely a company that can't stop dipping into—Marvel, too, keep dipping into its well for the more mm-hmm. and more obscure properties, and they never, you know, have touched this, so I don't know what the deal is. I think it's just waiting for a young animal reboot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually did look for that. I've been looking for that book, and I can't find it. So, well, now uh, it's going to become like the white whale. You know, you're going to be, you're going to go nuts. Going to, you know, you're going to see it for gonna, seven bucks. You're going to be like, I got to have it. It's going to replace the the lady cop in my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, we're going to go into week four, uh, Action Comics number zero, The Yesterday Man by David Michelini and Jackson Geis. More Kenny Braverman conduit origin, including his time working for the CIA. Conduit is, of course, still keen on killing Kent and prepares to do so during the reopening of the Daily Planet. Superman is able to stop Conduit after a battle which ends at the Superman Memorial Statue in Centennial Park. The story ends with the discovery of Superman's corpse in Superman's tomb. Whoa. Well, I guess that does answer the question of who's buried in Superman's tomb. By the way, that was was some good uh, alliteration there, Chris. Good job. I do that. Yeah. Uh... (laughs) 
Over to Anima Number Zero, titled Zero Summer by Elizabeth Han, Paul Whitcover, and Steve Crespo. Anima's brother Jeremy attends an outdoor concert and meets a man who knows about the arcana world created by the collective unconscious. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Aquaman, number zero. A crash of symbols, spelt like symbols, S-Y-M-B-O-L-S. B-O-L-S, yes. Uh, By uh, Peter David and Martin Eglund. Uh, While while Aquaman's wound is being treated, you remember he lost his hand. Right. He begins to fall in and out of consciousness. During this time, he hallucinates, and those trips include a betrayal by Dolphin, which is his, it seems like his current girlfriend, and Mera, who we know as his longtime girlfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Arthur's arm stump is cauterized, and he replaces his hand with a harpoon tip. Yeah. Like you. And this this pretty much begins what I would consider the, the real Peter David Aquaman time, you know. But uh, you're yeah. more you uh, you're more expert at that. Um, I think he had, he had to he had to no pun intended he had to tread water before zero hour. There you go. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> how, how long was David on the book? Do you know before zero hour offhand? It was only it was uh it was only the first two issues. Oh, all right. And so, then yeah. zero hour hit. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably exactly what happened. He had this plan yep. and he said, All right, let me just anyway. Uh-huh. Uh Catwoman number zero, titled Cat Shadows by Doug Mench and Jim Balant. Balant? Sure. Mm-hmm. This is the retelling of Selena Kyle's origin. Her father was an alcoholic who passed away when she was a little girl. She lived on the streets and was started to steal to survive. He was she was picked up by the police and sent to reform school. The warden is a thief who is embezzling from the school. Selena tries to steal the stolen cash, but she's caught. The warden ties her in a sack and t- tosses her into the drink, just like a bunch of mewling kittens. Mm-hmm. She survives, doy, and uh, blackmails the warden to get her fellow students let out, after which she continues cat burglaring and starts prostituting. There you go. Leading into eventually a Dark Knight Returns type stuff. Or, but it, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, year one year type one. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Damage number zero, back again by Tom Joyner and Bill Merriman. Damage is still in the midst of destroying Atlanta, though ends up surrendering himself to the police. Oh, that's good. I do like Uh, Mm Coca-Cola. Dark Stars number zero, (laughs) titled Wayward Son by Michael Jan Friedman and Mike Collins. Dark star Ferran Kolos, the bald one with the tattoo above his left eye, returns to his home planet of Zamba. He meets with his grandfather and tells him the story of the Dark Stars, which is a confession of his use of violence. This is a big no-no in Zambi law, so he's exiled. Mm-hmm. Green Arrow number zero, cast upon the waters by Kelly Puckett and Jim Aparo. In light of what he was forced to do during Zero Hour Zero, Ollie has decided giving up being Green Arrow. He heads off to the monastery where he meets a monk named Connor Hawk, uh, who claims to be uh, Green Arrow's number one fan. Uh, Ollie teaches Connor archery, while Connor returns the favor, training Ollie in the martial arts. After a time, Oliver leaves the monastery. Connor deci- decides to join him. Yeah, and, and you know, for those who don't know, Connor is Ollie's son. That's right, and he and he would be the. Well, he, he, was the red, the he was the Red Arrow at first, or something like this. No, but... He was. Uh, I don't think he was anything before. <laughs> oh, really? He just went from Connor to Green Arrow for a yeah. while. Uh, all right, and uh, Guy Gardner, Warrior Number Zero, titled Once Upon a Time by Bo Smith and Mitch Bird. Guy gets a hot tip on his heritage from a cyber reality inducer. The Valdarians are an ancient alien race of warriors who fight evil. They have the ability to morph their bodies into weapons and armor. The Valdarians ultimately fell in battle with a race called the Tormox. The remaining Valdis dispersed to various planets to inject unwitting life forms with crazy DNA, and Guy was the lucky lucky recipient here on Earth. 
Uh, Lobo number zero, Reservoir Mooks by Aaron Grant and Val Symix. Uh, Lobo, he's you know he's still the main man, no yeah. matter no matter what era. Maybe not the not maybe not the new Fifty Two, but but he was he uh, definitely everything. was the main man here. Yes, uh, he this uh, fleshes out Lobo's interstellar world here with a bit uh, with some new uh, characters and locations, and Lobo would also uh, join the uh, rebels. Oh yeah. All right, that, that makes that sense. Read the, I, I'm not going to read the whole name again. <laughs> did they kill? His, did they kill his solo after that? You know, I don't know. I bet they did. He never had a really long running. I mean, he's not that kind of character to have a long running solo, hmm. really. But uh, eh, be interesting. We'll, we'll look into. It. I, I always remember him as having a bunch of miniseries. Yeah, that, I mean, I, he had a lot of those. I, I don't know if he but ever he had. Those, I don't know if he um, ever had an intended long series. You're right. You know what I mean? Because hmm. like. How far can you, except the new 52, where I don't know why the hell they thought that was a good idea, but yeah, he's not, he's not that kind of character. <laughs> he's a, he's done a lot of, you know, his stuff is great in graphic novel form for hmm. a little bit of comedy, a little bit of violence, a little bit of uh, main manish and fragging and whatever. Yeah. Uh, now we got Manhunter number zero. This is Here Comes the Night by Stephen Grant and Vince Giorano. A new hero patrols the streets of Star City. Spawn, well, not really, but looks like Spawn, kind of like looks a big a white like face Spawn, Spawn like <laughs> ridiculously like Spawn. <laughs> uh, Robin Number Zero, Brothers in Arms by Chuck Dixon and Tom Grummet. Uh, Batman and Nightwing team up and reminisce about the time that Dick inadvertently killed the district attorney in one of uh, Two Face's traps. Batman tells Dick he's going to hang up the cowl and give it to Dick. So he. I guess I'll be hanging it in Dick's closet. I guess. Dun, 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 you know, I had to make a little quip there. Why not? Um, then we uh, sort of go into beyond this zero month uh, yes. into other issues that came later that were still tied into zero hour. Uh, in 1993, this, so we're calling this week 10? Week 10. Of this, uh, Extreme Justice number zero came out with a bang, uh, titled With a Bang by Dan Vado and Mark Campos. Uh, Captain Adam's new Justice League, consisting of Amazing Man, B Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, and Maxima, take on an army baddie who has nukes. The new headquarters is Mount, Mount Thunder, an old military testing facility complete with a fake town. Ronnie Raymond, Firestorm, is diagnosed with leukemia and given very little time to get his affairs in order. This book shipped out about three months after Zero Month ha ended, so... Yeah. Whatever. And it was very extreme. <laughs> uh, now we're a lot of go Justice Leagues, like I said, though, right? There were three <laughs> yes. running around at the same time. And uh, there were there were mullets aplenty in this. Oh, place. yeah. Even even the military man himself, Captain Adam, had a wonderful mullet. Yeah. A wonderful shiny mullet. Uh, now, uh, week 936, <laughs> uh, Booster Gold number zero. Uh, we got Blue and Gold, Chapter 1, The Secret Origin of Booster Gold by Jeff Johns, Jeff Katz, and Dan Jerkins. There's a retelling of the Booster Gold origin. Uh, the series was kind of all about playing with the time stream. Uh, I mean, even in the months that follow, Booster would get a mi one million issue. Right. So this is uh, kind of the gig. And I think while <laughs> he and the Blue Beetle are going through time, they actually, uh, or him and, I think him, Beetle, and, and maybe Rip Hunter are going through time, and they actually see Parallax and Extant and uh, and. Rip Hunter goes, yeah, don't worry about them. They they show up from time to time. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're all throughout the timeline. Yeah, That's hilarious. He's like, yeah. he's like, you're going to see them every now and again. Yeah, they, they pop in and out. You might you also might see a, a Hal Jordan slip out of a regular time here and yes. there, uh, just do some work. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Um, so the fallout from Zero Hour was, in theory, we had now condensed 
all these disparate, you know, nagging inconsistencies in the DC timeline into one unified, coherent timeline, which we are going to attempt to describe to you right now. And this was printed in the in comic, zero right? Zero. In yeah, Zero yeah. Hour Zero. For better or for worse, they included a full timeline of the DC universe in the, in the uh, it was a fold-out uh, for the back cover of uh, Zero Hour Number Zero. See, now, as which... a fold-out, it's useful. In my trade, it's printed across four pages. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, that it's made like it really six, annoying. Six pages in the uh, <laughs> in the comic. It's it just and, it just makes it tough to follow. But as a fan, you'll love this kind of thing. As a creator, you got to figure it's like they're looking at it going, "What the hell did you just get us into?" I know. It's like a uh, great night is wrote <laughs> me. You gave them something court. they could point to. I know. This is this is like uh, Eric Shea catnip right here. <laughs> All right, so we'll just jump right in. Um, this is the timeline, and the 20th century highlights are we're using 1994 as now. The timeline does actually go back to like the dawn of time. Yeah. But we're going to keep it in the 20th century. And towards the end, it would instead of giving a year, it would say like 10 years ago. So right. we're going to pretend that we are currently in 1994. Right. So we can actually lay out real years, you know what I mean? But, you know, yeah. what's important is the order. The chronology is really what's important. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Now, in 1919, Morpheus was imprisoned. Of interest, the world's end arc of Neil Gaiman's Salmon Run is considered to be a zero-hour tie-in. Interesting. This solicit from DG, DC Digital and Comixology says, World's End Part 1, a zero-hour tie-in arc. As a reality storm rages, travelers take shelter at the World's End Tavern and share stories. Up first, a tale of two cities, where a city dweller discovers the city of his dreams. Or is it really the dreams of his city? I had no idea about that. That's pretty interesting. It is interesting. I like it, yeah. yeah. Uh, 1935, a Dr. Occult shows up. This is like the first comic book yeah. hero-ish character in a way. Uh, 1938, first, I think that would be maybe the first original character. 1938, first heroic age begins. That would bring us Jay Garrick and the Crimson Avenger. Yeah, 1939, uh, Green Lantern Alan Scott shows up. Also, the Golden Age Sandman. Uh, maybe Hawk, it shows a, Hawkman, but we don't know Hawkman? Why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Jim Corrigan becomes, becomes a Spectre. In 1940, all these heroes decide, hey, let's team up. The JSA forms. Uh, 1941, Uncle Sam and the Freedom Fighters. 1942, we have, uh, you know, World War II. So we have the All-Star Squadron and the Young All-Stars. Uh, this is an introduction of the war heroes, like Sergeant Rock, the Haunted Tank, Unknown Soldier, Blackhawks, Losers, Creature Commandos, and GI Robot. Wow. Also, we get the Guardian and the Newsboy Legion. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, 19, yeah, 1946, we get the original Black Canary, and uh, 1951, the Justice Society disbands after 11 years, and this is considered the end of the uh, the first heroic and uh, heroic age. Yeah, probably what we would call the Golden Age, really. Uh, yeah. And you know, we have other reasons why this happened in our. Uh, uh, other episodes of this podcast, but that's, yes. we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> uh, 1959, John Jones arrives on Earth. That's the Martian Manhunter uh, shows up on Earth. In 1961, Kal-El's birthing matrix lands in Smallville. In 1964, Captain Comet is, yeah. is a DC character. I guess he showed up then, too. Um, 1969, Thomas and Martha Wayne killed by, we don't know, secret, you know, random killer. Uh, same year, Wonder Woman becomes a real girl from a lump of clay, and Project Adam of Captain Adam begins. In 1979, Clark Kent arrives in Metropolis. 
the Doom Patrol form. Animal Man shows up, Alec Holland becomes Swamp Thing, and Cave Carson, our new favorite character that <laughs> yes, he shows up. We had never heard of until we started doing the Young Animal segment. Now I like that this is a, like an introduction to the Silver Age, and it actually starts with John Jones. Yep, because we we talked about that a long time ago. That some people think that he is the first Silver Age hero because he does predate Barry Allen, but. Not, you know, it's it's hard to compare the two because it's, you know, he's just a side character. It's tough. Yeah, well, it's a backup. You know, Martian yeah. Manhunter is a backup for one thing. In detective which comics. Yeah. In detective comics. And also, like, I mean, you know, what's the definition of the Silver Age? You know, like aliens taking human guys. Well, that's that's a long trope. However, there's a lot of merit to it because the way it's presented and definitely the look of the comic, it's it's very Silver Agey. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, just sort of like... Puts that to bed, but as we know in comics, nothing is ever put to bed. No. Uh, 1981, The Metal Men, The Challenges of the Unknown, Metamorpho, and Dead Man. Uh, 1983, Oliver Queen gets stranded on an island. Uh, the second heroic age begins in 1984 with uh, debuts of Superman, Flash, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Black Canary, Aquaman, Batman, Joker, Catwoman, and Speedy. Uh, this is also the same year that uh, Triumph shows up and starts the Justice League of America. Hey! How about that? Um, 1985, the Doom Patrol sacrifices themselves. So they were around for, what, six years? Six years in this timeline, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, uh, you know, Kid Flash and Aqualad uh, make their uh, debut, and the Justice Society of America reforms. Now into 1986, uh, Dick Grayson becomes Robin, Deathstroke surfaces, and Plastic Man appears. In 1987, the Teen Titans form, like, so Robin was just Robin for a year, is what they're saying yep. here. Uh, John Stewart becomes Hal Jordan's backup Green Lantern. 1988, Power Girl appears. In 1989, Barbara Gordon becomes Batgirl. Ted Cord becomes Blue Beetle. New Teen Titans uh, begin. That's the, you know, Starfire and Gar Logan cyborg, and the rest of them. Yep. Yeah, Cyborg. So the original Teen Titans lasted for two years. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Firestorm appears and Captain Adam appears. This is also interesting to me too because they're putting a lot of these Bronze Age heroes or, you know, the Charlton heroes, which were from the 60s. They're coming in yep. much later, uh, basically when, when DC bought them. It's Pretty like much, when, right? It's when they began is what they're saying. <laughs> and it's it's interesting to consider. I haven't, I haven't seen Supergirl yet. Well, Supergirl was was retconned out. Remember, Power yep. Girl supposed to take over, but was yeah, her it's, place. It's, yeah, uh, it's weird. So it's it's interesting because uh, it, it you just it, like seeing a timeline without her in it is just odd. Mm-hmm. Um, 1990, the Crisis on Infinite Earths happens. Uh, Dick Grayson becomes Nightwing, so he spent four years as Robin. Uh, Wonder Woman arrives in Man's World, making her 21 years old when that happens. Captain Marvel debuts. Guy Gardner becomes a Green Lantern, and the Justice Society of America is sent to limbo. Uh, 1991, the Justice League International, this is the Max Lord version, they start up. Uh, we have the Suicide Squad uh, forming. So they, it doesn't mention it here, but probably the Legends crossover happens this year because yeah. that's that came out of that. Yep. Both of those did. I would think um, that. We also have the Killing Joke happen, so uh, that means Barbara Gordon was only Batgirl for two years. Uh, Jason Todd becomes Robin and dies. Death in the Family <laughs> happens that same that very same year. So he was only around for less than a year. Uh, also this year, Millennium happens. So all the all those wonderful Manhunters show up. Now you know the the idea of Jason Todd dying in the same year that he you know he becomes Robin and dies all in the same year. 
really adds even more sadness to it, you know, tragedy, yeah. tragedy to it, because like he didn't even get a chance to pop off, you know, didn't to, to show what he can do, and maybe this really puts it on Batman that you you put him out there too early, too soon. Uh, yeah. I also like the fact that Robin Dick Grayson was Robin with Batman for one year, but with the Teen Titans for three. Like, come on, buddy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, you can you can get rid of the suit before that, but anyway. <laughs> In 1992, that's when the Legion, the you know acronym, uh, was formed. 1993, Tim Drake becomes Robin. This is also the Team Titans. Peter Cannon dot 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 Thunderbolt. Armageddon 2001, War of the Gods, and Hawkworld. In 1994 is Death of Superman, Nightfall, Emerald Twilight, and Zero Hour. Hey. Um, and, you know, we do have some character changes. We have Batman, Joe Chill being removed from his continuity, and thus Batman Year Two falls out of continuity because that's a an interesting series where he actually teams up with Joe Chill. Right. Um, yeah, against the Reaper, right? That's all. Against the Reaper. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was a very interesting story. And uh, I don't know where it stands now, <laughs> but it's a decent read either way. It is. Um, now, Batman was never a confirmed character. He's a. Uh, He's just an urban legend in the DC universe, like you talked about in that earlier issue, where, you know, the, his legend grew and was scaring people into turning themselves over to the police just mm-hmm. to avoid seeing him, which is a very interesting concept. But I think for a character as high profile as Batman, maybe a bit too much. Yeah, it's it works. I mean, it works because it works in the narrative sense because they say it works, you know. Yeah, because I mean, you couldn't have him as a member of the Justice League. Because, I mean, so the Justice, his whole time with the Justice League International is kind of gone. Right. That's true. And uh, it's, it's you know, he, would, he, he wouldn't be seen publicly, you know, working with Superman or working alongside anybody. So that's kind of weird. Yeah, he could never have talked to an official, you know. I mean, he could still have his relationship with Commissioner Gordon, but he can't be a deputy of the... Of the GCPD. That. Um, anyway, it's it's interesting stuff. Uh, sort of has not stuck around, but no, no, that, uh, that didn't last terribly long, and they played kind of fast and loose with. That's that's what I was gonna say exactly. They they kind of didn't adhere to it totally. Some people seem to be well aware. Some people weren't, and maybe that's for the best to make it make it nebulous. Uh, guy Gardner, now he is warrior. Actually, always was, but now he's a guy who will open a bar in space and dresses like an idiot. Uh, also, he can produce weaponry from his body on command, which is a trick he rarely uses. Uh, Another fast and loose thing, because I don't think Bo Smith liked it. <laughs> yeah, it just it it rarely comes up. I've read some of the series, and we did a we did an issue for a yep. treadmill a long time ago, and but. You know, I, I forgot about this ability until we, you know, talked about it there, and then I forgot again until we read Zero Hour. I was like, oh, <laughs> right, he could do that. I forgot. That's his thing. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Starman. So after his brother bites it, Jack Knight's got to take up that cosmic rod and become Starman, which he's able to do wearing uh, Converse sneakers and uh, some uh, some real uh, ginchy clothes. Yep, he's a real real hipster guy before there were mm-hmm. hipsters. Uh, and yes. like, again, though, it, that's that's a, a series collected 18 ways, and it's it's worth looking at. And it's worth checking every single one, yeah. Sure. Uh, so some books were canceled this uh, this time. It was Justice League International Volume 2, Legion 94, Team Titans, and Valor. Yes, uh, in, uh, in the wake of the cancellations, we do have some launches, including Fate, Gunfire, Manhunter Volume something, yeah. uh, Primal Force, Rebels 94, Starman Volume 2, and the one and only... 
Xenobrood. That's right. I, I think Zero Hour was done entirely to justify Xenobrood. That's I think really you're right. That so was you the started with that and worked backwards. <laughs> exactly. How do we how do we create this amazing team of memorable <laughs> characters that people oh, talking about it for decades? Uh, <laughs> so, folks, that's the entire Zero Hour event, and then some. Uh, you know, again, I want to I want to you know tip my hat to chris who did a lot of the heavy lifting on this thing and definitely probably uh bit off more than he could chew where this comes from uh <laughs> but you know you were just like oh goodness you know at one time we were like you know maybe we should make it two episodes but i do think that it would have been too much you know we yeah. want to kind of keep the momentum going so uh we hope you guys enjoyed it and i hope this doesn't keep anyone from uh looking at at least the you know zero hour event i know they did publish a trade they reprinted a trade in the early mid 2000s so it shouldn't be too hard to get plus the comics aren't exactly their quarter bin filler yeah they're yeah. not they're not hard to get so uh really they're really... also available digitally if uh, oh yeah that's the, duh hello so yeah head to the dc site or the comiXology you can buy them digitally I, i'd say it really is worth checking out the art really is something uh special and as yeah. a story it's like really dc goodness in a you know very satisfying way yeah. So uh it's, it's a sign that uh, DC didn't really uh they they managed to sidestep what a lot of people consider 90s uh yeah. by you know by, by pretty much having a celebration of their own past and it, uh It's true though. I mean this this is the height of the gritted teeth, you know, yep. squatting uh guys that are very constipated. Yeah, this situation. is just before the bottom fell out. Yeah, so so I mean they were right in there, but they they really never went all in on that, and uh, it, it shows here in a book like this. Um, just in just again, I mean I, I keep harping on it like this is the greatest drawn thing in history. It's not that great, <laughs> but but in the art style compared to what was common in the industry, this looked really different. I think you know, yeah, it just wasn't all thin rapidograph lines and cross hatching and speed lines and people squatting and crotches that look like cat cat butts <laughs> anyway but and you know what's funny is i don't know if this was because of uh coincidence or because we did flash number zero last week but uh two people um i don't know if they want to be exposed to the world but they did pick up zero the entire zero hour this week so they are prepared for this episode <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and they will get extra credit but if you want to get extra credit or you want to tell us what you think about zero hour or dc comics events or anything in general or you want to pick a comic for the cosmic treadmill you can write to us at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com you can see our writings virtually every week on weirdsciencedccomics.com where we review comics and such and uh, on Twitter, I'm at Reggie Reggie. I'm at Ace Comics. And I tell you, uh, every time to go read Chris's blog, uh, Chris is on infiniteearth.blogspot.com. But this time, I really want you to go check it out because you did Zero Hour last week. I did. I did uh, every, every issue of the main series and a couple of the uh, Zero Month issues. A couple of those. And, you know, we, some more may trickle out maybe. I don't want to put you on sure. the spot, but I have a feeling you got, <laughs> you know, maybe possibly some more to think about. Plus, I know some of those books had to work themselves out of your comic boxes, so you got to make... Uh, Make yeah. something, do something with them, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, you definitely go check it out. The Zero Hour coverage was excellent. And at the, for Zero Hour issue zero, you also showed a promo. I right? did, yeah, two. Yeah. 
two promos. There was a uh, the top DC secret had, uh, thing. Yeah, they gave out two freebies, and one is a top secret file, basically, where it shows <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of like the real juicy bits of Zero Hour Number Zero, but redacted. Yeah. So <laughs> you gotta like, see uh, it to believe it. It's great. Like every time they mention Hal or Parallax or Green Lantern, it's it's blacked out, and every time they show him in panel, the figure is blacked out. Yeah. So it's really pretty neat. <laughs> it's cool. And then, uh, yeah. And then they also gave out a zero month sampler, so uh, you're able to see, you know, a pers- you know perspective lapsed DC or a new DC reader could see what's coming down the pike and decide maybe, hey, I want to pick this up or maybe I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, I, I, that's all up there to uh, to take a look at. Yeah, uh, definitely. Got to go check it out. If, especially if you don't feel like buying the comics, I'm telling you that reading Chris is on infiniteearths.blogspot.com is the next best thing. But <laughs> I think that's all the entropy we got for him this week, Chris. You got anything, <laughs> got anything else for him? Um, just that, uh, you know, this was a uh, huge undertaking for the two of us. So if we did get some things wrong, uh, we we beg your forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, mea culpa. There are uh, there were a couple of the books that that neither of us had in our collections, so we uh, did use um, online sources for summaries and yep. uh, whatnot. Uh, not all of them, not not many of them actually, but uh, but for some of them we uh, we could, especially that. Uh, that fan favorite Zeno Brood. Zeno Brood, yeah. As so, always, we can only we are do, human. We can only do the best we can, but we do accept yes. corrections. So please, if you, if, if you do have corrections, write to us at weirdsciencedccomics.com. And if you're right and we're wrong, we will own up to it and tell and uh, give your name. But if that's all you got for him, then I think everyone uh, should keep it weird historically. 